Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Doc's first week back, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know how long it's even been without you, Doc. Ages and ages and ages. <laughs> I'm just glad that uh, somebody noticed I was gone. <laughs> it really, it has been like... Uh, at least a month. At least a month. It may have even been five shows or some ridiculous yeah, thing we've crazy. done without you. Yep. Things just kept getting piled on, and I had to leave for the weekend. And yeah. Stuff, and this is the first weekend I've been home in quite a while. No kidding. Yeah, I want to hear all about it. Um We've got a couple of things to do first, maybe, and then I want to know. Cool. I want to know where Doc's been. Today's show is another great yeast show, and uh, we've actually been off ourselves. We didn't do a show last week, and before that, we did uh, the shows from the NHC in Orlando. And haven't been in the studio doing shows here for a few weeks ourselves. I've been here waiting for you guys on your front porch. JP joining us today has just been hanging out, waiting for us yeah. to get back. I feel lonely. Danielle, how's the chat room looking so far today? It's looking busy. Is it? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Uh, usually people get pretty excited about uh, when we do a yeast show. And today, <laughs> for the first time, we've got David Logston from Y Yeast Yeast Company. He's going to be calling in. I think we're going to get him on the phone here about 545 in the show. So hang in there with us if you got any That'd questions. Cool. Of course, join Danielle in the chat room, and, and she'll take all your questions down and make sure we get them answered in the uh, relatively short time we have with Dave. I think uh, he's, he's ready to stick around for an hour or so. But, cool. Um, He's in the middle of doing family things. Even he's out watching daughter's softball games and all that. But he's ready to uh, to get on the phone and do the interview anyway. Man, so get your questions in early, and we'll make sure that we get the as many of them answered as we possibly can. That's uh, David Logston of the Y Yeast Yeast Company joining us right here on uh, the Brewing Network Sunday Show. So, Doc, uh, I think that's all I had to get through. I really want to oh, know cool. uh, where the heck you've been. Uh, people, I think, thought maybe I fired you or some ridiculous thing like yeah, that. Yeah, we had a big falling out. <laughs> there was a lot of beer involved. And <laughs> <laughs> some heroin, but... I guess tired of Doc stealing my spotlight. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what happened, Doc? Well, let's see. The first week, it was a 
impromptu got called down to Orange County for my uh, wife's stepfather's 80th birthday. That was an expensive experiment for not, I swear to God. Really? You shouldn't even have gone, you mean? Oh, yeah. It was expensive. I I didn't get a chance to meet any of my friends because it was just go, go, go. Yeah. Um, Hung out. We did uh, this boat tour down in Newport Beach, which bit the big one because it's just a clusterfuck. Oh, wasn't it cool? <laughs> uh, half the people showed up, half didn't. We're away from which boat are we supposed to be on? Oh shit! So then, you know, then we go to dinner. Yeah, that's okay. And then the kids want to hang around the fun zone for a while. Fine. Then we I walk all the way to the car because I had to park uh, parking lot pretty far away. Yeah. Daddy couldn't find the car keys. Oh, to the rental car. So did you, you dropped him in the ocean somewhere? Or I what? don't know. I looked. I went back on the boat. I went back to every place I'd been to. Right. Nothing. Oh, man. And then it, it came to, well, someone turned in like three sets of keys at the kiosk at this parking lot. Okay. None of them were mine. So, so then we call, we call the mother-in-law and we say, hey, what's going on? Uh, like, uh, we lost the keys, you know. First we actually called and father-in-law answers, the 80-year-old answers and says, oh, what? Huh? <laughs> my wife said, get my, get my mom on the phone. Okay, let me get her. Yeah. Five minutes later, my wife's still waiting. She's pissed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you hear her mom say, Hal, the, the phone is off the hook. Click, <laughs> click. Oh, it's like a movie. Oh. <laughs> oh. Like, uh, so I just called my sister, and she was right down there. So he <laughs> is your sort of atypical 80-year-old, like kind of out of it, a little wacky. Yeah. Like smack yeah, on the ass. He's, when he's on, he's on. He's a funny guy. He's, a, he's a, a retired psychologist. He's kind of a funny guy. Yeah, he's losing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I'm sure know. he still drives, right? Uh, no, actually, I think we, we made him stop. But uh, <laughs> uh, then, you know, my sister gets down there, and the first thing my, my six-year-old says is, Auntie Shell, Mommy said the F word. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did Mommy say the F word? Right after Daddy lost the car keys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that 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 trip was just just a mess, huh? Yeah. And then we went down to Mexico the week after that. Stayed there about ten days, and it was a little hotter than it is in the in the studio right now. So it was hot. It was Ugh. hot. Oh my God! It was hot, humid, nasty. Um, now you weren't looking forward to going on a Mexican vacation, and I'm I, I love going to Mexico. Uh, I haven't been in a while. I went when I was a kid, and I, I went like maybe five years ago. It's great every time I go. You were dreading the whole thing. Well, it's just taking everybody down there and you know dragging the kids everywhere, and it's kind of a pain. But yeah. it, it turned out it was okay. Okay. Um, long flight, but it, it was okay. Um, What'd you drink? I I had it was free drink. It was a club med, so just drink all you want. Okay. And they had you know taps at Corona and Negro Modelo everywhere so okay. like a lot of that um at least the Negro Modelo is pretty good yeah. yeah i hooked up with a couple of dads okay and, and uh oh a little kinky there well no we just <laughs> we just hang out and drink every night oh, put okay. to get the kids in bed we just hang out and drink and it was weird it was almost like we were good fellas yeah we had this table around us and everybody come by and hang oh that's it was, great it was pretty fun yeah and uh, you know that wasn't too bad drank a lot drank late every night Woke up feeling pretty good every night. Really? Hurt myself the last night, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, a bunch of us got a cab, went off-site, started partying hard out in the town. Yeah. And I came back, and my wife woke me up about 9, and I wasn't just a little drunk anymore. I was hammered. And she's like, don't bring the hooker home with you <laughs> next time. <Yeah. laughs> oh, it was it was something. Then cab ride about 3 o'clock, 95 degrees, and I about hurled in the guy's cab. Oh, It was, it was a crispy ride home. The thing I didn't want to do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, being crispy and living, you know, hanging by the pools, one thing, but right. 
you know, yeah. sitting, in the, sitting in the airport, waiting on a plane, all that. that Hung was over. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Last time I had that ride, it was after the Oregon Brew Festival, and yeah. uh, I, I was laying in the airport doing the same thing, just ready to uke, and it yeah. was, wasn't a fun thing. It would have been nicer, you know, sitting by a pool with another beer or something, but yeah. you know, when yeah. you got to travel, it wasn't so fun. And then last weekend, uh, my stepfather's 80th birthday, but at least that was in Vegas. So ah, okay. I, so I went with my brother. We had some fun. Uh, went and shot machine guns for a while. Yeah. Nice. Don't get to do that every day. No, of course not. <laughs> so. Well, not uh, not in Orinda. I mean, you go to Oakland nah. or something like that. Yeah. We're talking fully automatic machine guns here. Oh yeah. Are they are they legal in Nevada or something? Yeah. Oh, they are. Yeah. <laughs> why why is that? Because Nevada uh, rules for 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 two reasons. Because it has Vegas, <laughs> and you can drink outside, <laughs> and, you, and can you can have automatic. Yeah, we, right. we're walking up and down the street with beers. Yeah, that's what I love. Other than that, oh yeah, Nevada sucks. No, no, I, I do dig certain uh, things about Nevada's laws and their freedom, and yeah. I'm and I'm all about the, the right to bear arms and everything <laughs> who needs a fully automatic weapon uh, you, can, you can have a I silencer do. too <laughs> yes just so you don't disturb the neighbors yeah. they, yeah. Should, they should change the name it shouldn't be nevada at all it should just be it should be more obvious than yeah. that like uh, you can kill people here and, well, they don't let and, you do that. And not get caught, you know? <laughs> well, just, just like my brother says, if everybody that's buried out in the desert between here and Vegas stood up, you couldn't see the, couldn't see the horizon. <laughs> right. <laughs> shallow grave. Yeah, that's probably true. Grave. Nevada is one shallow grave. So a bit, a, a little bit of trekking the West Coast yep. for Dr. Scott over the past couple of months. Well, we've missed you, and we we definitely missed you at NHC. I know you didn't want yeah. anything to do with Florida anyway, but it wasn't too hot this year, and we were inside most of the time anyway, and we spent our nights uh, in the swimming pool getting drunk, man. 24-hour swimming pool, my friend. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. We got to meet a bunch of listeners. They all asked about you. They were all pissed at you. Well, yeah, you know, I got to do the, the wife vacation with the family, and I can't really leave two weeks full weeks from the office at, at once, Right. and it would have been back-to-back. Gotcha. We're pretty close. Well, the way we see it now, Daniela and I were talking about yes. it, because um, you, you have been away now, and, and it was all family time, and we know that sometimes we have to struggle to get you away from the family. Well, the way I see it, we own you now for at least like <laughs> four weeks, because you, you put in your time. Yep, exactly. So uh, no excuses. You don't have to go home early after the show. Nothing. Yeah, I've just been so busy. I haven't even been able to be in on the forum much. Oh, right. Yeah. If you noticed my absence even on the forum, I just haven't been able to. I can read them, but yeah. here and there, spotty, but I can't even get into answering anything. But and you're back in action now. I'm back in action now. And the worst thing is our house is falling apart without Dr. Scott's help because you're not able to do any of the handyman work. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is leaking and breaking, and That's I just not keep true. crying for you, Dr. Scott. I'm happy you're back. <laughs> Thank you, dear. <laughs> Here's a honeydew list. Doc yeah. did run over here uh, last minute just for the show, and he's like, I am putting in that air conditioner today. <laughs> I'm like, Doc, we got like a half hour before show. I'm doing it. Give Do me the it. tape measure. <laughs> no, actually, you asked me, do you need a tape measure? No, I brought my own. I can't I can't trust you to have tools. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the only tool I have is JP. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can always count on JP being around. What? So we do have the AC going. We're waiting to see if it's going to kick in today. And uh could feel it a little bit. Maybe our uh, hot studio woes are gone after today. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll keep you all up to date. I'm <laughs> sure that you're hanging on the edge of your seats. Come wondering. Tuesday. Damn it, I need an update on the studio. <laughs> Is it still hot? <laughs> Is it cool or not? It's 103 in Pacheco. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, uh, with us in the studio for a short time today, uh, our friend Andy, who had worked the chat room for us a couple of times at the beginning of the show, helped us get all set up. Uh, really, uh, he he built this studio with me, and uh, really kind of a of a back of the house kind of guy who's not been on the microphone with us a lot. And uh, I, I wanted to talk to him today because he's just come home from Australia. And uh, as you all know, Australia is, is is like our second biggest listenership as far as other continents are concerned, and um, we get uh, a lot of a lot of praise from the Australians about the show, and 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 there's a lot of uh, mixed rumors that go on between Australia and the United States, and one of them is whether or not Australians actually like Americans. And Oz tells us they they do, and you can get women there, and they <laughs> love the accent, and the, when the when the military goes there, they. they you know, like the women there don't want anything to do with the Australians, and and that we're generally a well liked. Look, let's face it; most of the world doesn't like us very much. Very pretty, true. pretty much. But the rumor is that we're generally well liked in uh, in Australia. Well, Andy's just come back and uh, has a couple of stories to the contrary. Andy, no one even liked you. Nope, <laughs> not one person. <laughs> Nobody. Really? No. Uh, so even you, you, you went there for school for just a, for a couple of months. Uh, yeah. And you, you're fresh off the boat. You get there. Were your first experiences like Yankee go home kind of thing? Um, kind of, sorta. Yeah. Yeah. It was that bad. No. 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 But they didn't like you. No. Well, I don't. There's this weird kind of. Um, I think it's like city folk versus uh, country folk kind All right. of thing going on because the city folk really didn't care too much. Okay. Some were happy. Um, but the country folk had like a real xenophobia going on where it was almost, they were kind of just really bitter about everything. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be just in general. They just kind of hate being country folk. Could be. Maybe it's that you look like an aborigine. That could be it. And they're like, what are you doing here? There's a, they still don't like the aboriginals out there. They don't. Actually, no. that we've heard. It's not, <laughs> there's not a good relationship between the normal Aussies and the aborigines. They pretend like they do. But it's all a it's no. a farce. They name towns after them and movies and <laughs> crocodile Dundee. That's what the Americans do too, sure. right? Yeah, we do the same <laughs> thing. You deal with your Native, Native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> well, but, but seriously, the Germans are perfect. I want I want to put that. <laughs> yeah, you you had said though that you would actually hear snickers on the bus and, and yeah. just things behind your back. Yeah, it wasn't so much about it was less about me and more about the other Australians listening to other Americans. Okay. If that makes sense. There was a lot of, I kind of just keep my mouth shut a lot of the time, but there was a lot of like, um, oh, stupid American this, and they're so loud and obnoxious, and right. all they talk about is money, and <laughs> like, I'm sorry if I got a lot of money. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. you know. Forgive me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, that isn't actually, Americans in general abroad, in fact, didn't I read it on air once? There was this whole list of things you should do yeah. abroad. And I thought the list was kind of silly. And uh, But one of them definitely was uh, don't talk about your money and, and yeah. know, downplay and, everything. And don't right. be so loud don't about it loud. Yeah. while you're at it. it. Yeah, that big Stars and Stripes shirt probably didn't yeah. go over well. Did it? Yeah. Was it your, the flag um, as a cape. Was it your American flag thong, Andy, that people didn't like? It was my, my American uh, Banana hammock. <laughs> yeah. Good old stars and stripe. Your stars and stripe nipple tassels. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Don't carry your flag everywhere you go. That's kind of a weird thing to do. If yeah. you travel and want to explore a different country, don't be branded like the U.S. is. You know, wow. that's stupid. I should lay low. But I think people who travel sometimes in general, they are weird. That's not like the best people of the country who go and travel. As a German, for example, if you go to Asia, a lot of Asian 
think that the Asian uh, that the German guy only goes there in order to have like sexual pleasures going on there that he can't <laughs> get at home, right. and that's not true. You know, I'm a German and I don't do that. So that's that's their you know what they think about us. So I, I thought know. that's why people went to Asia in general. <laughs> yeah. See, you think for that and uh, cheap <laughs> yeah. stainless steel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You go over there, have some weird sex, and come back with some stainless steel. Yeah. <laughs> with a nice ball valve. <laughs> Get a blister and a ball valve all in one trip. That's pretty much it. I like that description. <laughs> all right. Well, I just was curious because there is some uh, misnomers. Now, the other uh, thing. Now, Andy. Yep. I used to argue with you about this all the time, about which direction the water in the <laughs> toilet flows. And yeah. you were you were adamant about the fact that uh, that it has nothing to do with what hemisphere you're in. Uh-huh. It's all about the plumbing. Yes. Well, the Australian that we had here, uh, uh-huh. you know, you know Oz, our old listener, yeah, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He confirmed uh-huh. that the that the the toilet water flows the other direction. Yeah. Andy, you've now been to Australia. Which way does the toilet water flow? It's all about the plumbing. <laughs> Still all about the plumbing. Did but it I go w- backwards? Uh, well, it didn't come out of the toilet. But it, well, there it, was this one. It time swirls, but it swirled the opposite direction, didn't it? Uh, he, so when he got does. there, when and he got he there, he didn't remember what it went at home. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, who pays attention to what? Not sure. Clockwise or anti-clockwise? You telling me that you didn't pay attention to the toilet? I didn't, because I, you know, I'm st- I'm sticking to my plumbing. <laughs> sticking to my plumbing. But you know what is cool about the Australian toilets, though? Okay, it's the ones I encountered. Is they've got a dual flush. Okay, Have you've heard of this? No. There's actually two buttons to flush. There's a full flush and a half flush for pee, right? Yeah, really. So you got a number one sense. flush and a number exactly, two. Exactly, a poo poo flush. And some, I was sometimes I need a double flush. Yeah, yeah I, I always that. double there flush because be I'll the, clog. There should yeah. be the flashing red number three <laughs> flush yeah. and the auto flush. <laughs> yeah, it should just do it for you. No, there's a courtesy flush too. It's when you're no. in the public bathroom. Yeah, as soon as it hits yeah. the water, you flush. There should be several yeah. options. Yeah. Oh man, you don't. The, some of those toilets though, you don't want the courtesy flush while you're doing it. Really? All right, because some of these things are like bilge valves on the Titanic, where they will just Lots throw of you up off the toilet. Oh, gotcha. And you don't want to do that. Mm-mm. But th- there's there's the half flush where it's like a little half circle, okay. and then the full flush where it's like a full circle. That's how you know. And amazingly, as retarded as I am, I couldn't tell the difference between the two when I first got there. Okay. So I thought Stupid I had to American. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, so yeah. I had the to half flush both twice. of them at the same time. Yeah. And, I'm so and arrogant. The, I bet you use the double flush every time. <laughs> I, I just crapped on the top of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even use the bowl. Yeah. Um, and then stick a little American flag on a toothpick in it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and they also uh, have different urinals out there too. Okay, or maybe we have different the, urinals here. Uh, I'm not sure. That was Fair. the women's bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the sink. In the Stupid American. <laughs> What's different about them? They're like um, they're these big stainless steel traps with like gates on the floor. It's really weird. It's like uh, it's like a big. Uh, it looks like the inside of a meat locker. So is it against the wall or it's on the it, floor? It is the wall. So you basically the wall. piss it's on the, the floor. Oh, okay. you, you piss on the wall on the floor, but there's like a gate yeah. and it's like raised up, and you're not sure at first if you're supposed to stand on the gate yeah. or just piss from a foot back and hope you hit something. Yeah, you're that's not when sure. You, you just wait in the bathroom until someone else comes that's, in. But then you, then you look like a pervert. That's what I try to do. Stalking so dudes in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Did you stand back and piss? Forward? N- uh, no, I actually didn't use until I was, you know, sure I was. Yeah, that's all right. about the plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what do you have to do? I need to know now. 
Um, you stand on the gate? You stand you? on the gate, right. but if you're not sure, you just stand a foot back and hunker down. Gotcha. Yeah. Just go in the stall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you were going to say that there was like a nice feminine-like hand that comes out and holds you while you pee. <laughs> like, I was hoping it was that it kind of thing. balls. A little, little, little ball massage. <laughs> yeah. Pokes the pee out. I can tell what kind of bathrooms you've been in. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of bathrooms? <laughs> Asian bathrooms. Isn't there supposed to be a doorknob in that hole? <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah. very different in the bathrooms. Yes. And the the, 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 the half flush and the full flush, it's a water-saving technique for them? Yeah, or? they're still hard up on water. I mean, that's still... Well, they're in a drought. Uh, yeah. big. But it's weird because I just I mostly stayed in Sydney, and you can't tell they're in a drought over there. Mm. So they must be shipping the water across to the West Coast. So, uh, Sydney, I, I think it's like this spoiled city of, of <laughs> all of us. The rest of Australia suffers, and <laughs> they, get, they get eaten by dingoes and that whole thing. Sydney has a like a glass barrier around <laughs> it. It's a magical place. Yes. <laughs> they get all the water. Mm-hmm. So, but they got the funnel webs. What are the funnel yeah. webs? They're the one of the nastiest spiders. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are in Sydney? Yep. Yeah. Any and experience with those, Andy? No, they're not like in the city city, I guess. They're okay. in like, kind of the outlying areas. So, Any like major hardcore insect or animal type of encounters? Um, yeah, there were some pretty gnarly big crab spiders. Like spiders like the size of your head. Oh. I don't know what they do to you, but you're just walking along and they're just hanging out like... Like on the street, yeah, like in the street, or like they had like webs that were as big as your body, oh. hanging off the bushes. Oh, anybody, that's... anybody stuck in one? No. American, leave him there. He's American. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, nothing else. I mean, I got to pet a koala. Oh, that was fun. I thought that they rip your arms off, those no. koalas. No, this those are the dingoes. Nah, both of them. The koalas aren't nice. <laughs> nah. This one was nice? This one was, I think they sedate them. Yeah. <laughs> <or something>. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a eucalyptus <laughs> that drugs That's what off. I heard. It made them really high, and they yeah. just, that's why they're just so kicked yeah. back all the time. Yeah. They have to, like, hold his head up for you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just limp. <laughs> right. You've been dead for two weeks, but yeah. uh, so, still soft. Do you go to a special place for that, or you just walk down the road and someone's got a sedated <laughs> koala? <laughs> they just hang out. Out on the side of the street. Touch my koala. Withdrawals. Yeah. No, um, yeah, it was a. Uh, was yeah, they're looking cheap. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you clip this man? <laughs> I'm hard up, yo. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, uh, it was a zoo. They have they have different uh, zoos, okay. but if you got to go to like to the off the beaten path kind of zoos, because yeah. like the traditional zoos will make a charge. They'll charge like two hundred bucks to touch a koala. Yeah, to, to like take the VIP stuff oh. and everything. Those are the touristy ones. They do have this cool thing where you can go scuba diving with a shark, though. Really? Didn't get to do it. But you it wanted cool. to do that though? Yeah. What kind of shark? A big one. <laughs> so how much yeah. is it to scuba dive with a koala? Uh, <laughs> yeah, free. You got to go way to the, to the one uh, off the beaten path. <laughs> way off the beaten path. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, you had to go to the zoos where they basically stole their animals, sedated them with drugs, <laughs> and allowed anyone who came up to them to touch them. Pretty much. And the wranglers were real interesting too. Really? Yeah, the guys that would kind of look after them. These koalas, it was like they had no like um, no sphincter control. <laughs> Because nice. the dude would just pick the thing up, and I couldn't tell if it was scared or just still sedated. But yeah. it was, it was like just all over him. Oh, he needed a full flush. Yeah, just he needed a full flush. Yeah, there was there was the pee and the poo rolling off of him and everything. And the guy was just like knocking it off with his hand. Ah, oh, he yeah. didn't even care. Did he yeah. shake your hand after that? No. And it's like, here, do you want to touch my koala? <laughs> no, I don't. Yes, <laughs> I'd like to touch its head. <laughs> yeah, is there a clean portion I could touch? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the end with the teeth. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Well, there's Andy's life in Australia. That's, that's yeah. interesting. That's uh, pretty much everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else happened. Nothing I, else. I, I hit the number two button all the time, <laughs> and I pet a koala. Right. 
Okay. Well, that's fair. Well, I'm glad you made it back safe. Thank you. And uh, thank you for dispelling some of the myths. Now, Thanks. Um, I was originally just going to like head right over, hang out with Oz for a time, but now I'm a little nervous about people not liking us. Yeah. Oh, bring your own ass gaskets, too. Let me just say that. They don't have any of the ass no gaskets? No really. gaskets. <laughs> if, if you go into the nicer places, yeah. they've got like a little... Um, like a little squirter. You can squirt out some sanitizer on a toilet paper and just kind of, you know... Oh, I like that. I've seen those yeah. before. And your butt smells better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just smear those germs around. Yeah, exactly. I just take yeah. uh, strips of, pi- of toilet paper and make my own all the time. Yeah, That's but it's good. easier with the gas. Even at gas. home, huh, JP? Even at home. With the actual... <laughs> You've seen my roommate. <laughs> yes. Andy, you spent like three quarters of your time there in the bathroom. I did. <laughs> That's what I do here, Justin. <laughs> yeah. It's all the same. No reason to leave. All right. Well, it's fair all, enough. It's all so about the plumbing. Bring your own ass gaskets and hit the number two button if yes. you're ever, ever in Australia. I'm sure we'll hear 888-401-BEER. I'm sure we'll hear uh, from the Aussies about our interpretation of uh, Australia. I do have um, just a, a, a little bit of uh, feedback for us, Doc, uh, because it's been it's been so long, it's been piling up even. Oh, my oh cool. God. You've got mail. Kick ass. Some of it's, uh, I don't know, I'm not even going to date any of it. <laughs> Some of it's probably like three weeks old, and we're just getting around to it. It's all new to us. One show that we did while you were gone, Doc, that you really would have liked was a BJCP show. And oh, with Kevin. With Kevin Pratt, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was, was really a good show. Lots of uh, quality beer judging information in that. And I think we're going to do some more of them, uh, especially where we actually do beer evaluations with uh, certified judges on the air. Oh, good. And this uh, this comes in from uh, Jay Roach from the from the forums. Uh, it says, I just finished listening to the archives and just finished the BJCP show. Just wanted to say that the show was excellent. It was probably one of my favorite episodes uh, thus far, and I really learned a lot that I think will help refine a lot of my judgment methods. I also really found the BJCP philosophy to be very well articu- articulated and very thought-provoking. I'd always thought it may be interested uh, to try to become a BJCP judge, and that show gave me the inspiration and motivation to start studying. Nice. So good job to Kevin Pratt for That's coming great. in and doing that show with us. Actually inspired uh, Jeff from Houston to... Uh, to get into the whole thing. Now, this is an old one from uh, one of our listeners, Rich, and uh, he had gone away to Belgium. He's, prob- Belgium. He's probably back now, but I'll read it anyway, because it was about um, the Kolsch show that we did. You also missed the Dan Gordon show. I guess it wasn't a Kolsch show, but while Dan was here, Jamil brought in several Kolsches with him uh, that he hand-carried back from, uh, yeah, from see, Cologne. That alone pisses me off. Yeah. That's one of my favorite styles. And we did a whole tasting. Nice. A yeah. blind tasting with him. I bet he has more. So Rich comes in and says, Justin, you partially talented hack. Obviously uh, talented enough to land a blonde German hottie. Uh, although I don't think it requires any talent, just my huge wallet. Right, Daniela? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm drinking my final beer of the day here in Cologne. I listened to podcasts of the BN on my flight over. It was great that Jamil and Dan Gordon and you other useless buffoons were tasting Kolsch beer on the last show. My seatmate was probably wondering why I was drooling on myself. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't rip off her 1970s pantsuit and drag me to the laboratory so she could join the Mile High Club before she dies. By the way, my favorite Kolsch was the Gaffel Kolsch. I think it had the most character. It had a very slight DMS, but I think that I uh, and uh, that I needed something interesting and good like that. I also made it to Dusseldorf. My favorite alt was Fuschen. Do you know that one, Daniela? Fuschen. 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 Yeah. No, I cannot tell about your pronunciation. I, I nah, probably either. not. Well, that was the, that was his favorite alt there. F u c h s c h e n. Fuschen. That's what I said. Little foot. Fuschen. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't even try. 
Stop it. <laughs> so that was his favorite alt. Tell Mr. O'Sullivan that canned beer is alive and well here in the fatherland. I'm sipping on Kostritzer Schwarz beer from a can as I thumb this message into my Blackberry. Keep up the good work and great show. Prost from Rich. That's right. nice. Here's a question that came through a while back, Doc, that I need you to answer. It's about a keg. It says, I have a friend that has a keg he doesn't want, so I was thinking of converting it uh, into a, a kettle, obviously. He says that it's aluminum, and he wanted to know if that's what my keg was. And my keg's not. It's stainless steel. He said, I guess for some reason I was thinking that they would be stainless steel. And uh, you're right about that. Most of them are now. Correct, Doc? Yeah. I, if, I thought they all were. He said, And that's what, kind of what I thought, too. He says, if aluminum is the norm, then I'm a happy camper. Thanks for your feedback. This may sound like a silly question, um, but I haven't bought a keg of beer in a very long time. And when I did the last time, I don't remember very much after having bought it. So, basically, uh, I think the first thing it, that I would say, Doc, and I think I responded to, to this in an email, his friend is most likely wrong about it being an aluminum keg. Right. Um, but there is such a thing as an aluminum keg as they used to be. So isn't there a way to treat an aluminum keg so that you can use it as a boil kettle? Um, that's, that's been going round and round lately. Okay. Uh, most people say you can use an aluminum kettle anymore, not to worry that much about it. Uh, the amount of aluminum that goes into there, it's, it's not, not that big an issue. Okay. I think more the storage of a low pH wort or beer is more of an issue, but I... Yeah, more and more people are using aluminum kettles now. Okay. But I, I'd like to know what kind of keg that was. Yeah, the, to find the, out if it really is. Right. It uh, may be a, a Newcastle keg, because I think the outside of those kegs look different, and uh, it kind of feels like a lighter weight. Um, but it's still stainless? Material. I don't know. Um, just because the... Ma- it could know, have a liner inside. Stainless, you know? stainless steel isn't magnetic, so using a yeah. magnet test doesn't work either. Okay. Aluminum isn't magnetic either. Right? Um, have them drill a hole in it. Why, what happens then? Well, it's easy to drill into aluminum and not so easy to drill into stainless steel. Okay. And if he can mush right through it, he knows it's aluminum. Okay. I had, I think it was Oz that was telling me if you do have an aluminum kettle, if you just boil water in it, it does something to, to... Yeah, I was just, I, I was just reading something about that too. And maybe an acidic water. Yeah. Oh, okay. To treat it. And it just isomerizes the... It just takes the, the surface stuff off so it doesn't... To go back in there. You like that I used isomerize, don't you, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> I heard I, I heard isomerize, yeah. and I kind of so you just I got excited it. real quick. <laughs> but that word you keep using, I do not think it means what you think it means. That's all right. It sounds good in the context, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm glad you thought so. <laughs> all right. So uh, maybe get back to us and let us know uh, who, with the brand of keg and, and, and maybe what company was using it before. We'll try if we can narrow down for you if it's actually aluminum. But uh, you're saying if it is, Doc, that there, he could probably use it just the same. Or he could probably go to the scrapyard and trade it for a uh, stainless steel one that's there. Because oh, that'd the probably al- be the best. The aluminum is worth more to, than the stainless to him in the scrapyard, and he'll they'll change it out. Okay. Just say I want that keg instead of this keg because it doesn't have to be a a good keg necessarily for kegging purposes if you're going to cut it up and use it as a boil kettle. Okay. So that'd be your best bet is to call around in the scrapyards and see if they have any stainless steel kegs and if they'd trade you, and they probably will. Okay. 
All right, next piece of feedback uh, addressed to uh, Doc and Justin. Hola, Doc and Justin. And part of this, I'm going Hola, mi amigo. <laughs> That's right. Uh, part of this, we're actually going to hand off to uh, Dave when he gets here. We're going to re-ask him the question, but we can get started on it first, Doc. He says, I have an important and embarrassing question uh, for your show discussions. This is a serious question that I know Justin would love to discuss. He says, I love wheat beer. Unfiltered, yeasty, American wheat, banana, clovey, heffy. Anything unfiltered with wheat. The only problem is, unfiltered beer gives me terrible, stinky farts. Seriously, my favorite beer, Easy Street Wheat, is also one of the worst. My homebrew heffy is bad, too. How can I continue to enjoy this beer without the after effects? Is there some way to kill all this yeast once in my system? Should I add Beano during the boil? Please help. Signed, Stinky in Colorado. Okay. Well, first off, if you're single, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> just, go, just go home and hang. Keep on rocking. And if you friend. watch, if you watch Mythbusters, you can't kill yourself with your own farts. Okay. Uh, but, uh, don't put Beano ever into the boil. Okay. Because it just kills the enzyme, which, yeah. which is what it is. If you're gonna put it anywhere, put it in the fermenter, and all it's gonna do is make it a very dry beer. Okay. The best place to put the Beano is in you. <laughs> yeah. Just before you start drinking wheat beers, and it's yeah. not the yeast that's doing it. So just before you start, just before you start drinking, uh, put a few beanos in you, and you should be fine. You probably have to up the dose, down the dose, whatever you need to do. And uh, the the beano, the best place is in you. Before that, now I was having a conversation with the other yeast company uh, last week, and he was kind of saying that. It it is the yeast inside of you that the yeast that you're putting in there does live for a good period of time, and that it is producing gases. Well, everything in there is producing gases, and it's the, a lot of the unfermentables that you're giving them too. Okay, I, th- I think it's also the digestion of the yeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't think it's, it's you're, the you're yeast. Ki- yeah, you're using the ye- dead yeast cells. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's the yeast producing gas that gives you gas. It's your your, your body. You're, you're metabolizing gas from the yeast, right? You're, okay. you're uh, metabolizing things. And when it comes down to, you know, what's it going to do with that last electron? And it can't put it onto oxygen, so it puts it onto hydrogen. And, and then sulfur. it produces methane? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, I think this is part of the reason why I can't handle the heffy, because for some reason it doesn't go out the other end. It just comes back up in its original form for me. It never gets digested. We just have to premedicate you. We'll find a way to get that. We need to find something. Yeah, yeah, there's some combination that's going to work for me. Do you uh, you uh, toss it up a little bit when you drink Hefeweizen? Yeah, the next morning, uh, invariably, really? it's the only beer that comes back up. Wow! Yeah, every time, Sean O'Sullivan, you're on the brewcast. What's happening, brother? Hey guys, how's it going? It's going real well. Hey, it's hey a, Sean, it's 103 degrees in Pacheco. Yeah, it absolutely is. What are you up to, man? Uh, I'm out here at uh, Barclays, actually, just watched a little World Cup, and uh, just want to remind everybody that uh, we have the uh, Summit Beer thing going on tomorrow here at Barclays. At Barclays. 14 uh, breweries out here. Um, okay. Sean? Who've uh, brewed this beer, and uh, Sean? it's a one-hot beer, so it's Sean? all one recipe, too, so it'll be a good time. <laughs> hey, Sean, you, you sound totally sedated, man. Yeah. Dude, I'm out of my fucking mind. <laughs> 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 I, I just called in to say hey, and uh, I'm here with Motor right now, and it's uh, I could be drunk of the week actually. I was gonna say you've just yeah. Italy. It's... I know, I know Danielle is like you know she's probably like sobbing. Fuck you! Right <laughs> oh, fuck you. oh, the 
the place was. Face. I know. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Oh. But it was amazing here. The the, the whole like uh, the vibe. It was the place was packed. Okay. And we just been drinking. Uh, we been drinking German beers actually. Oh, nice. And, uh, Anyway, Good enough for that, right? Well, uh, Sullivan, you've made uh, Brewing Network history. Uh, you're the earliest drunk of the week ever to call in. It's yeah, only... well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think probably people, there's probably people that are... That don't call. That haven't called in yet. Okay. I, I think all those other people are busy texting. They can't call in. <laughs> all right. Hey, but we're here. we're actually going to do a bit about the Summit Hot Festival we went to at Drake's yesterday. Yeah. And so Sean giving us the reminder that at <laughs> Barclays tomorrow in Berkeley, uh, they're doing another Summit Hot Festival. Yes. And then at the Tornado, I think on the 19th, there's yet another one. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So lots of chances to catch these Summit beers, which were great. We're going to do a full report on them. So. Okay. Thanks, brother. Uh, See ya. All right, my brother. <laughs> Did you hear that? There was actually one at the uh, the Drake. Yeah, like it was really horrible hanging out with you guys the other day. Oh, I man. hated it. But I'm at a Barclays. Goodness sake, he was pretty loaded, man. Yep. Hey, I got a response finally from to the to the uh, the Brewing Network uh, Jane Hat. Remember we put out a few yeah. weeks ago that we want the Brewing Network Jane Hat to travel the world, and, and we want yeah. photo opportunities all over the place. And it could be in the United States, obviously, too. Sure. Uh, most of you know that that's part of the world. And it could be uh, from anywhere else, too. We really wanted to just be uh, pictures taken from interesting places. So we asked for email stories of where you could take the Jane Hat. And summertime's the perfect time because people do in the family vacations. I've not received a response before this one single lone response from one of our great Australian listeners, believe it I or not. I hope that's uh, just because everyone's really wanting to pick well, out the if, best thing. Right? If I would have right. had the Jane hat, I would have taken it down to Mexico. Could have done that, yeah. Worn that yarn thing and like put it on 95 degree temperature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have been Doc's bathing suit at least once, and that's not a pretty thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got to get through this because we got to take a break and then get to Dave. Uh, basically, he says, BN folks, just listen to the show where you talked about sending the Jane hat on tour with BN listeners. I had to email you and let you know I will be headed down under in September of this year. Yes, you have yet another Australian listener. I'll be in my hometown of Brisbane where I think Oz lives. There's a good photo op right there. Plus, I'll be in Hobart, Tasmania, home of Australia's oldest brewery, Cascade Brewery. Uh, I think a photo of the hat on that brewery tour would be a worthy ad- addition to its travel I'll also be in Melbourne and Sydney on the same trip, so I'd be honored to have the opportunity of hosting the hat and would promise to take good care of it, make sure it came home at a reasonable hour, make sure it didn't drink anything that I wouldn't, and make sure that Oz keeps his pants on while wearing it. Huh. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> yeah. uh, he listens to the show while traveling and uh, and and loves it and uh, a lot of good things like that. Uh, I say we give it to him. This is from uh, Jason in Australia. So Jason, when you hear this, uh, send us an email of where to send the Jane hat. What do you think, Daniela? I think that sounds good. It's a good idea. One of right? our listeners in the chat room though is offering that he wants a Jane hat because he wants his girlfriend to wear it the next time they're having sex. Okay. And he's going to send pictures. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we will have it sent from Jason's trip in Australia directly to that person <laughs> in the chat room. So you cannot have sex until you receive that. That's right. So uh, keep it under wraps until then. All right. Uh, so finally getting some responses here to the BN Jane hat, which That's needs great. to travel the world. So is, so is this thing getting laundered between No. no. Or do, no, do we, do we no, even want to no, ask? No, no, it's, it's a lot like a mung, Doc, and you don't clean oh. the mung until it actually walks away on its own two yeasty feet. Oh, mung. <laughs> 
So, and, and yes, it must still be worn even after traveling, uh, the world and, and being munganized. Now, can now, I take it first? <laughs> you cannot, because we've already decided this is our first email. Jason in Australia is going to get okay, it. Okay, I'll mail it to him. <laughs> and the deal is everyone's got to take real good care of it too. It's a lot like the Stanley Cup of the Brewing Network, Doc. So, uh, people are, aren't, aren't just going to sop up beer with this thing. It'll be a little sweaty. But, oh, uh, I think it'll be a uh, lot sweaty. Even, even at the, uh, at the anniversary party. Yeah. Can we get it back uh, before the end of August? Uh, I don't. We'll have to wait to hear from Jason. Because I'll take it out to Bernie, man. Oh, now that's a good place yeah. for it right there. But although you don't have any responsibility when you're at Burning Man, and the, <laughs> the, none, there needs to be a responsible party in in charge of the Jane hat. It's actually a very sacred and important hat. All right, you okay, need to I'll start do, a, a list. We need a list for that because now okay. everybody wants it. Okay. Well, see now, where was everybody when we announced this a month ago? Well, people forget about it too. Okay. We have to keep reminding them. All right. So maybe you're we'll gonna start a thread on the forum, a sticky thread, and you're gonna put down who wants the Jane hat, and they have to give us what they're gonna do with the Jane I hat. I got a sticky thread. Okay. That's what we'll do. <laughs> I think the Jane hat needs its own email. The, the Jane address. hat is gonna be Jane a sticky hat thread. BrewingNetwork.com. <laughs> Uh, last piece of feedback I want to get through, uh, because it's from another uh, brand new female listener. Ooh. Says, I, I just thought I'd send you guys a big toast for being so awesome. My boyfriend, Cub Brewer, on the oh, forums. Oh, she's in the chat, actually, today. Oh, cool. Yeah, he started listening a while back near the beginning and would force me to listen to it. Well, now I have you guys downloaded on my iPod, and I listen to your show every week. In fact, I was just in Cub Brewer, I was just a uh, Cub Brewer's assistant brewer today, and I'm gonna learn how to brew. Keep up the good work, BN. Uh, you guys rock. From Emily. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. So another female listener joining the Madhouse here, and we appreciate it. Oh, female that. listener. Yeah. That's, that's worth that at least two points. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, welcome, Emily, to the chat room for the first time, yeah. I think, also. And welcome to anybody else who's in the chat room for the very first time. We are, are quite happy to have you. A lot of things in the chat room today. Casey Dave got married. Congratulations to him. Oh, yeah. congrats. Good work. All right. Crazy Jack's 28th anniversary for his wedding. Congratulations. Nice. Uh, and uh, really good work on cra- uh, Mrs. Crazy Jack. Yeah. Whew, good work there. <laughs> I know. A guy called Funzy hanging out with us tonight, which hey. I love. <laughs> Funzy. Hey. A lot of new listeners actually in a chat room tonight, too. I Wonderful. That. That's what we like to see. Well, hang in there, newbies. Uh. When we come back, Dave Logston from Y Yeast Yeast Company is going to be with us. Send your questions to Daniela, or you can call us at 888-401-BEER. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. And now back to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the Yeast Show, uh, part seven or so. We like sure. to do yeast shows around here. We are but, yeasty uh, beasties over Yeasty, here. the yeasty boys. This is the first time that we're going to have Dave Logston from Y Yeast Yeast Company on the horn with us. Let me see if I can get him here. We're doing the old Skype deal so that it comes through uh, clear and nice. Let's see uh, let's see if we can get Dave here. Just hang in there. Hopefully everything will work properly. Hi, Dave. Regis Philbin here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, forget it. I'm not answering. Here's our lifeline. Right. <laughs> hey, Dave, are you there, buddy? I am. All right. Nice. All right, wonderful. Mr. Dave Logston from Y East Yeast Company on the phone with us here at the Brewing Network. How's things going in your neck of the woods, Dave? Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful day, lovely weekend, filled with sports and softball with my daughters. Who's winning? Well, they took second place in the tournament, so they did a great job. Ooh, Beautiful. Pretty good. All right, nice work. Uh, with us in the studio, just so that you know, Dave, we've got uh, the lovely Daniela, JP, and Dr. Scott. Of course, myself, Justin. We're all just going to throw questions at you at random until your head explodes. Is kind of what we okay. think we're going to do. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Scott. Hi, Daniela. How you doing? Hi, there. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Nobody likes gay pee. Don't worry about that, Mr. Logster. <laughs> okay, very cool. We're actually really excited to have you in here, Dave. We've done a few yeast shows before. It's a, it's a very popular topic. Um, one of the more complicated and controversial issues in homebrewing, because people, everybody's got their theories. So we like to kind of be thorough about it. And your particular product is, is different than everybody else's, too. So I've uh, just been kind of waiting to get you in here. We're real happy about that. So thanks for doing the show, first and foremost. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, for those of you listeners who don't know, and, and, and you'd have to be really new to brewing if you don't, uh, and that's okay, too. We're happy to have you. Uh, y Yeast Yeast Company, their product, and uh, one of the uh, original yeast products, is uh, the Y Yeast Smack Pack. And the Smack Pack is different from uh, the others because it's uh, basically... Well, Dave, why don't you tell us what the, what the Smack Pack is and what makes it different? Well, we uh, put the smack pack together over 20 years ago when we first got in the yeast business. And I designed that package to help proof the yeast that uh, there was good viable yeast in the package, uh, shown by uh, active fermentation that uh, uh, was uh, evident with the package swelling. And that was a cornerstone of what we felt was important to be able to ship yeast around the world to uh, brewers everywhere. Yeah. Now, now before that, what was what was the medium that yeast would come in, and, and how did things change when you started that smack pack? Well, let's see. I started home brewing in the, quite a few years ago, back in the late 70s, and uh, there were some vials of yeast on the market. I remember the first one I found was a, uh, a little vial with a, with a small film of yeast on it sitting on a... Uh, shelf in an 80 degree uh store and there was no uh no live yeast in that it, th- th- there was no knowledge of uh, how to take care of yeast by home brewers that didn't come in a dry packet okay. so there wasn't much out there then and i saw that there might be an opportunity to be able to put a good package together that people could count on for uh, having live healthy yeast right now, what was your what was your background that set you up to do? Because now I could see that as a problem, but I'm too dumb to do anything about it, Dave. So, what is your background that made you say, "Hey, this yeast can be improved, and and I can do that"? Were Were you a chemist beforehand? Uh, actually, uh, a biochemist uh, studying uh, microbiology and, and food science, and uh, doing a lot of work with uh, fermentation science cultures uh, in school, and as a uh, beer drinker, I became involved with home brewing uh, quickly once I uh, gained some laboratory experience. I was able to culture yeast and found that, boy, this seems to make my beer better when I've got a good yeast culture. Okay. So that was my background in, in getting into this business. And then 
we uh, worked with a number of uh, breweries back in the uh, mid-1980s to help them get their yeast for their breweries gone. And at the same time, we were putting the smack pack together to get that out to home brewers. And along the same time, I uh, got involved with a couple partners, and we started Full Sail Brewing Company, and that's where I started brewing professionally. Wonderful. While we were putting the laboratory together. So I had a lot of good hands-on experience on various levels of brewing and, and was able to help a lot of other brewers at the same time, and we just kind of evolved from there. Are you still a part of Full Sail? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, we, are, we, we remain uh, uh, owners of a, uh, a company that's been growing well for going on 20 years now. We are 20th year coming up there as well. And uh, I've uh, seen a lot of a lot of fun growth and exciting times through the brewing industry, not only with our own brewery, but uh, helping a lot of other breweries as well. It's been, it's been a great, uh, great career. Full Sail's a cool place, too, and, and one of the, the great beers coming out of... Uh, now, I know you have breweries in Oregon. Is that the, is that the home of Full Sail in Oregon or not? Yeah, we're uh, located in Hood River, Oregon, okay. uh, not too far from where Y East Laboratories is. And then we also have our original brew house as a 20-barrel brewery that we have down in Portland also. So we run, we run that little 20-barrel brew house, and then our... Uh, now that's John our, Harris, uh, right? Yeah, John. John heads up. Uh, he does a lot of our R and D brewing and uh, test brews and uh, some of our smaller uh, specialty lot beers that we produce. Uh, he takes care of that. And then out in uh, Hood River, we run uh, a 250 barrel brew house there, and uh, we do quite a bit of full sale product as well as some contract brewing for Miller for their Henry Weinhardt brand. Ah, the old Henry Weinhardt's. Uh, many a drunken high school day spent with old Henry, <laughs> David. I'm going to be honest good, about it. Good memories, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. The mornings were rough, but the evenings were just magical, David. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> I, I drank my fill of Henry Weinhardt's, too. What was the greatest thing about Henry... I'm glad you mentioned that, because really the greatest thing about Henry Weinhardt's back in the day was variety. You could have one brand of beer, but on the shelf there were always four different Henry Weinharts. So back then, I, I I just felt like, hey, now that's great. I I always know I'm getting a good beer, and I can pick which flavor of good beer I want. And where I was, Henry was really the only different style beer. Yeah, it was one of the one of the ones that came you, out. You're right. Yeah, that's something. where yeah, that was brewed right there in Portland, and that's where uh, we weren't far from. And I probably shared uh, a lot of those same different flavors with you. I was. I remember. I think my favorite was old uh, Henry Weinhardt's Private Reserve. Yeah, the standard. Yeah, yeah the standard. It was. It. Was, uh, go ahead. That was a classic. Yeah, I'd, I'd move to the other ones, but I'd always come back to the old yeah, private all, all reserve. The, all the bottles had a different bottling number. Yeah, on it, and I had a friend it that did. I had a friend that had a collection of everything, and one of his collections was the Henry Weinhardt's bottles. Nice. Anyway, all the different numbers. So he would hunt people down. You got number seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I need seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> he was a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to business. Sorry, that just took me on a little bit down memory lane there, David. I didn't know you guys were a part of it. It's uh, what little memory Justin has left. Yeah. <laughs> My entire memory lane is a one-way street uh, with a lot of beer cans on the side of it. It's the whole thing. So how, I want to ask, how did you get the name Y-East? Where did that come from? Well, that's uh, a native name for Mount Hood, Oregon. Uh, okay. The Indian name was Y-East, and uh, that's where we lived at. And we, so we just, uh, use that and nobody else in the world knows what that means if you don't 
aren't from Hood River, Oregon. So uh, it's a little local colloquialism. All right. Oh, that is cool. interesting because I, I, I... Why yeast? Yeah, <laughs> why yeast? Yeah. Um, okay, let's get down to business here with you, David. I think that there's a few uh, misnomers and misconceptions about the smack packs that go on, that go around out there, and and, mm-hmm. and people want to know exactly what it is that happens. I mean, what we can we can see it inflating. There's obviously some activity. Uh, some people think that there's actually some yeast uh, yeast propagation and, and multiplication going on in there. Some people actually think that's happening. Um, others just say that it's just uh, waking up the yeast and get and getting it active. So directly uh, from the horse's mouth, if you will, what is it that happens when you smack a Y yeast smack pack? Good question. Uh, when the when the package is activated, we're we're mixing uh, nutrients uh, with the dormant yeast, and what's happening is we're really just uh, energizing the yeast and getting their metabolic uh, activity uh, progressing. And there's a not very much cell uh, reproduction at that point, depending on time, but it's mostly a matter of just uh, beginning metabolic activity. And you can see that from the uh, the CO2 that's produced uh, during that portion of the process. And the, the, the key thing that, that we wanted to make sure was that, that people knew that, that, like I mentioned earlier, that the yeast was alive and active. And it's, and it's going to reduce the lag time once that yeast is pitched by that amount of time that it has to uh, come out of dormancy. We have a, a shelf life on our product that uh, extends it out a period of time, and the yeast are uh, slowly depleting some of those nutrients during that uh, that storage until, the, until it gets to the home brewer, and so the nutrient pack will give a little bit of a boost uh, to those cells. Uh, some of the nutrients that they've depleted are being replaced and... and uh, uh, metabolism begins. Yeah, that's one of the, one of the things that, uh, is kind of advocated with, uh, home brewers is to feed your yeast the day you're gonna, gonna pitch it. Uh, you're not gonna really get a lot of cell prog- propagation out of it, uh, but you're gonna wake them up, give them, you know, they've just depleted all the glycogen, so, uh, get them up, get them going. So, you're basically yeah. doing it right there in your package for them. It's a, it's a sterile environment, it allows that to happen, and it gets them going, because, Basically, the, the, the cell count in the activator package, that smack pack that uh, we produce, is a, a 100 billion cells, and that's about the pitch rate that most professional brewers would use to uh, pitch into their beer. So that's what we were targeting uh, with the cell counts that we have. Okay, so that kind of leads me into a whole other discussion that I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready to, to jump into yet. Let me just give you a heads up. Because a lot of people talk about doing yeast starters. And there's even a little information about yeast starters on, on your website. Uh, but if you're, if you're saying that you've, you've already put in the accurate uh, amount of yeast cells, uh, the, the 100 billion you said? Um, yeah. Then uh, a starter, especially since your if your smack pack is sort of starting it already, uh, there's no more. There's actually no need for any yeast propagation. We don't need more cells in that, and and therefore maybe wouldn't need to do a starter. Absolutely correct. Uh, with a five gallon or twenty liter uh, batch of uh, beer of uh, up to ten sixty original gravity, the cell counts are pretty much where you want them already. Okay. It makes it convenient just to be able to uh, uh, activate the package and go within a matter of uh, hours or stay at the on the outside. Now, 
Is this pitching into five gallons? Can we say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Have you have you done any tests in the labs where you uh, threw in a smack pack just after letting it to do its thing, uh, use it as you're supposed to, smack it, wait for it to go, pitch it into into five gallons, and then uh, on the opposite side, actually done a yeast starter where where uh, people tend to think that it wakes the yeast up even more, it gets it really ready to go. Have you done any side by side comparisons like that? Yeah, we've done uh, quite a few experiments. We do uh, experiments on a regular basis that involve uh, different pitch rates, aeration rates, uh, original gravity, words, so that we can see what the uh, not only the performance of the yeast, the fermentation time, but also we'll run it through a sensory profile as well and have people do some blind tasting and say, well, what which which pitch rate is the has the flavor profile for the style of beer that we're making? Yeah. Uh, all the way from uh, uh, like ten to third to uh, uh, about three to four times which we would normally pitch. So we really like to cover a broad spectrum when we do those types of experiments to see what is what is optimum. And it is it, affected a lot by personal preference, but also by mostly by beer style and the strain selection, yeast strains you're using for that uh, particular style. Okay. Okay. A good example. A good example of that would be uh, uh, the pitching rate for a, um, um, a German style Hefeweizen might be quite different than uh, than for a, a German style Pilsner. Right. And the rate of fermentation and the and the esters that are developed due to the a lot often due to the uh, the actual pitch rate uh, because as the pitch rate is increased and the higher the pitch rate that the brewers use the less cell doubling that occurs to deplete the sugars in the wort. Uh, understood? Yeah. Uh, that uh, uh, we have lots of yeast that are all going to grow a little bit. If we have less yeast, that are all going to grow more in that same amount of sugar. So the, and the more yeast growth and reproduction there is, most commonly the more esters that are developed during the fermentation. So uh, uh, for a nice fruity, estery beer like a Hefeweizen, yeah. Lower pitch rate and actually lower aerations, uh, per, per people's preferences tend to be pitch on the low side. Okay. Whereas with a, a, a Pilsner style, for example, they want to uh, clean and crisp and, and dry and lower in esters. A higher pitch rate tends to um, produce that style better okay. uh, for the most part. So do you change your cell count on a per style basis then in your, in your Y-East packs? Exa- we did a hundred billion of uh, plus or minus uh, on all the pack across uh, the board for, for consistency. Yeah. Okay. And we because uh, you know for for controlling, say for example on a half of ice, and we recommend uh, you can do pretty much the same thing by reducing the amount of aeration. Okay. And keeping a standard pitch rate, and that's also again is going to affect the uh, ester profile as well. So uh, to for consistency and uniformity, we try to to let people know they've got the same amount of yeast in, in every package we produce, and then they can they can work from there if they want to adjust their pitch rates by either propagation or actual dosing rates that they use and how many gallons. There's a lot of brewers that brew 10, 15, or 20 gallons, and yeah. uh, JP would uh, certainly confirm by the number of big big pots they've been putting out that uh, more beer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I've got a question about uh, smack pack longevity. And yeah, I've had a smack pack that I forgot about in the refrigerator for a while. And you pull it out and say, oh, wow, it's like six months old, eight months old. Can you still use it? Have you done any tests on that? 
we do. We we run them on, uh, throughout the uh, six months and even even beyond. It, normally, we see on the viability and you know the difference between viability and vitality right. have an impact. Uh, but uh, via vitality uh, through the first month has kind of a linear drop in in uh, in the uh, strain in. in, in each given strain is a little bit different, but they have a kind of a linear drop, and then they kind of flatten out after about a month under good storage conditions. And you don't see too much change after that. So uh, the lag time can increase some due to the older package. That's almost always a, a given because the glycogen reserves are pretty well depleted towards the end of that uh, shelf life. But uh, uh, given uh, either you making a starter at that point right. or, or direct pitching, uh, your your cell counts are going to vary a little bit. The vitality may be uh, suffering some. In most cases, it is. And again, that's strain-dependent a lot. Uh, some strains are much more stable than others. Others have a higher uh, metabolic rate that uh, tend to uh, burn themselves up a little quicker. But, uh, yeah, towards the end of the shelf life, you're, you're, you're going to have a little bit, maybe a little longer lag is, is to be expected. But Normally, we see some pretty good fermentations, though. Uh, once the vitality of the yeast is is uh, brought back up to the uh, nutrients and uh, aeration of the wort, uh, I, I would I'd really take, like to take it out to the listeners and, and get their feedback. See what's for happening for them. Experiments we've done, yeah, and it, it's been pretty consistent and, and, and good overall. Fresh is always best. That's with yeast. That's always been the case. Uh, we do a lot to try to keep the stability of the package uh, in optimum condition. Uh, we're working against some variables that uh, uh, that's uh, hard to keep vitality and viability at, at uh, peak levels that we all brewers would like to see. And at the same time, to get them out to brewers where they are. Wherever they are in the world is, uh, is a challenge at the same time too. So we, we kind of walk that line and uh, our best uh, suppliers that we ship out to are our retailers and our distributors. The ones that order weekly or, or every other week or so keep a fresh stock rotated. Uh, they're the ones that uh, have very few problems coming back from uh, brewers. So that's that's what we like to see, keeping it fresh. Yeah. And it's, it's a different scope than it is on a professional level where uh, yeast is almost uh, a daily issue for vitality and freshness. Uh, we're working against a lot of other elements when we're trying to get it out to home brewers. All right. Uh, I do have a question uh, about if, if we should do starters. Uh, somebody wants to know if they're going to make a starter, can they make one with an unsmacked pack? He's thinking that it might be easier just to kind of open it up and dump the yeast into a starter than to actually oh, smack it. You, you can, yeah. If you've got a good, uh, one of the things about starters, as long as it's a good uh, nu- nutrient-based starter, that the yeasts are are going to uh, improve their vitality and, and not suffer from what's in the starter or how the starter's uh, handled, uh, then certainly that's uh, that can be done. Okay. All right. Uh, another one I got from our listeners is about high gravity pitching. And I did see a little bit of, about this on your website as well. And the question comes through as we're supposed to pitch large amounts of yeast for high gravity beers. If we pitch the amount of yeast required for say a 1085 beer into a 1030 beer, uh, would we improve our beer and our fermentation for that matter? So I guess kind of over pitching. 
What do you think about the results of that? Well, um, so you're saying that instead of, say, for example, pitching uh, um, 100 million cells in uh, a five-gallon batch, maybe we'd do 200 yeah. a billion. Yeah, I Double think so. or even triple or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, you can do that. That That is certainly an option, and you can, you can pitch enough yeast to ferment out uh, a low-gravity wort in about 24 hours and maybe even less. Okay. So, yeah, that can be done. You're going to get a very rapid fermentation, but uh, the results are not very, uh, not not desirable for the most part. Uh, generally tend to be very uh, uh, dry and uh, no, not much of an ester profile. Uh, kind of, kind of gets a little bit of a bite uh, uh, the, for some reason. I'm not exactly what happens during the fermentation, but it just... If, if if it was a good thing, I think professional brewers would probably be, be pitching that much yeast and fermenting out in a day so they can make their beer in three days instead of uh, 13. Right. You know, they, but they don't. There's a reason for that. So controlled pitch rates are important. We don't like to underpitch. We don't like to overpitch either. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fair enough. Uh, and, and, you know, we... Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was going to ask another question so you can finish that. Your th- Your thought there. Oh, you know, some people, and, and we have always kind of tend to overpitch a little bit is better than underpitching. As a rule of thumb, that's probably uh, a good uh, case. Okay. But I know a number of very, very good brewers that prefer to slightly underpitch okay. than, than overpitch. Okay. And they'll underpitch as much as 20% if, uh, if they feel uh, they're... Uh, pitch rate in that range will actually produce a better beer with a little more esters. And mostly we're talking about like pale ales and uh, uh, warm fermentation beers that uh, you want a little bit more floral and, and uh, fruitiness from the from the yeast. And so a little bit of an underpitch makes a little more slow growth, a little more esters, a little more flavorful, a little more character, uh, better character of the beer. Does that have to do with stressing the yeast because you've not put enough in there to do the job that, that produces those esters? Well, it's it's the stress is maybe a little bit of a, uh, a push on on the terminology. Okay, I would say if you're if you're used to doing a hefeweizen, for example, or a vit beer, uh, where you want a lot of esters, and you actually you are stressing by uh, relatively low pitch rates and relatively low uh, aeration, both those are going to stress the yeast a little bit, and you get like I say more growth and uh, more 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 flavor and ester development. Okay, I gotcha. Someone that wants so, to... You know, on the other end, go ahead, Dave, sorry. Yeah. Uh, just uh, The other end of the spectrum is, is uh, Pilsner beers that uh, flood the world, and they are, you know, most of those are produced in under a couple of weeks now, and they're very fast fermentations, high pitch rates. And when I say high, it's not as high as what we've talked about, maybe but, uh, sometimes 50% higher than what uh, uh, one might pitch for an ale. Right. Uh, to get uh, a five, six, seven-day fermentation on a Pilsner, and that's, that's pretty fast. Okay. But they're, they're very clean, and, and that's what they want. They want a clean, light, crisp beer. Yeah. So that helps make that style. And that's what we talk about here a lot, actually, with the uh, with doing yeast starters and pitching huge amounts of yeast is having that yeast really rip through the beer kind of fast, and, and, and it comes out cleaner and and and, so, and often drier, and you're kind of eliminating a lot of those esters, that and like a pills that you don't want. So, I guess that's where that's what yeah, you're that, talking about. Over pitching is a good deal. 
Yeah, that's, you know, with an ale, if you've got a fermentation that's uh, under four days, I think you well, on most gra- nominal gravities, I think you'll find that they tend to be kind of squeaky clean. Uh, a five-day ferment, I think, is what makes a nice rounder profile. Yeah. And that's pretty much, uh, uh, other than uh, manipulating temperature, if you have something in, an, in a normal range of, say, 68 Fahrenheit, that's going to give a nice flavor profile, a nice acid profile. If you go, if it ferments out in three days, it's going to be a lighter, drier beer. And it's not going to have uh, near, near as much character, in my opinion. So, okay. Uh, that's where our preference is to try to do that uh, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the road, so to speak. Finding finding that right amount that's not too high, not too low. Yeah. Okay. And I guess you know when you're when you're putting out a, a product like that, and you're putting out that many different styles and that many different products, that's really what you have to do. I mean, Doc, would you, wouldn't you agree? You can't if you specialized every single thing. You would almost take away from what the home brewer can decide to do with it. So I kind of like that middle of the road kind of idea. Yeah. You know. Uh, so we. we- we should try to supply a consistent product, but at the same time, there's five of us on staff that have brewed professionally okay. at Y-East. Yeah. We've got brewers there, and they are there for technical support. Every one of them answer the phone, talk to home brewers, professional brewers, on any aspect of brewing. These guys, my guys have worked in small breweries, large breweries, home brewing. We've worked within the range of what we expect from our customers. And then we're there. If they need to drop us an email, we get back to them. If they want questions about uh, answered about uh, pitch rates or formulation or temperature control or lagering times or uh, anything along uh, uh, the, the brewing uh, scope, uh, we're there to help them out. And that's the fun part about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good staff to have, a bunch of brewers around. Good for you. That's yeah, lucky. You know, probably on Monday you're going to get inundated with calls. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. That's what I can say that's what we're there for. We we we've voice. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for more than 20 years now, and and uh, we've voice produced a, a, the best product that we know how to make, and we're always there for service, and that's and that's what uh, I think helps our customers as much as anything to know that they can count on us to to not only back up our product but uh, help them out and make sure they get the optimum out of it. For what they want to do, because like I say, brewers are creative. Uh, they like to experiment. Uh, sometimes they they want to know where the boundaries are or where where the limits are at, and uh, we can help them along that way. And it's always great to uh, to get get feedback when uh, brewers are uh, doing different things, and we get a sample a lot of their wares. Uh, they get, we're fortunate enough to have them share with us, and and uh, when we don't have uh, beer from coming in from the outside to. Uh, Take a look at. We're always running our pilot plant too, so we've always got lots of things going on to to uh, talk to brewers about with some experiments that we do. And, and uh, over the years, we've done uh, quite a variety of things, and there's always new things to try. Beautiful. Great. I like that. You got to keep experimenting and checking things out. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep that yeah. experimental beer flowing. <laughs> David Logston from Y Yeast Yeast Company is on with us. We're going to take a quick break. I do have your questions, listeners, in front of me. A whole stack of them for you, Dave. So uh, hope you can hang out with us for a little while longer, and I'll fire these off at you when we get back. We'll be ready. All right. It's uh, yeastlabs.com. Uh, you can check out uh, the Y-East products right there. And, of course, you can find them at your local homebrew shop. We're here with Dave Logston. We'll be right back on the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
You're listening to three guys. Excuse me. What about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. All right, I hope you all had time to refill your glass and join us back here with Dave Logston of the Y-East Yeast Company, home of the Smack Pack, Dave. An all original, okay. an all original product from Y-East. I should, um, I should tell the listeners so that they don't think that uh, you and I just have some sort of weird pausing thing between us. There's a lot of delay that goes from our computer to uh, Dave's cell phone there, so anytime we talk over each other, I apologize for that. It's the nature of uh, wanting to interview people from all over the place. So uh, I just thought you got him in between a gulp. <laughs> yeah. People think that you're just hanging around drinking, Dave. <laughs> Busted. I'm busted. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Actually, that let's do a fun question for you. Uh, since we're talking about you having having yourself a pint, uh, people want to know which is your favorite yeast, and then what type of beer to be made with that yeast. Wow, that's a good question. That's a tough one. Too, yeah, it's got to be tough. <laughs> I love so many beer styles, okay. and if I were to tell you probably what I brew the most and enjoy the most at home, that would probably be a tip right there. Okay. So so I, I've been a very avid uh, uh, Lambic-style, Lambic-influenced brewer for a number of years now. All right. And uh, we produced a wonderful Flanders Red. Uh, that's a nice little variation of that, but... Uh, but the goose and, and producing some fruit lambics uh, seasonally from that, I, I keep a number of uh, uh, large uh, wood barrels in my cellar, and I keep topped up uh, through the winter, and then I draw them down through the summer, and uh, they make some pesh or some uh, some nice creek from our local fruit in the, in the valley here, and just uh, love the uh, the blending of the young and old uh, uh, to make goose. And I'd, I'd have to say that's one of my favorite styles all the way around. I, I love, like I say, I love hoppy pale ales, mm-hmm. IPAs. They're one of my favorites. That's what I'm having right now. But then I love a great Pilsner, uh, Hefeweizen, some of the Weizenbachs, and and uh, the, the range is uh, uh, fantastic to be able to enjoy all those different styles. Yeah. That's the fun thing about it. But, yeah, I guess my, my going home from work is uh, is a glass of goose. Beautiful. And so which which of the Y yeast yeast do we, we use for that? What's the number so people know? We use the, the, the Belgian Lambic blend. And I've inoculated uh, the barrels that I've got working now uh, a number of years ago. And I haven't inoculated them since. They just uh, get topped up after they get drawn down through the course of the summer. And when I fill them back up, and I'll be at a point in a couple, of, you know, before too long, where I'll probably clean some of the barrels and... and uh, Maybe bring a fresh inoculum in, but the balance and um, the profiles of the beer have just been wonderful. So I haven't had to do anything. It's just been the uh, uh, the lazy man's uh, brewing uh, technique, I guess. I like that. So do you uh, ferment them? <laughs> do you ferment them normally first, and then put them into the barrels to inoculate them, or do you just put them put the wort straight into the barrel? I go. I put the wort straight into the barrel. Uh, inoculated them origin the barrels originally, and uh, just left that culture. Uh, 
continue for several years now. So you don't use a regular ale yeast in primary and then put them in there? A lot of people do no, that. No, I too. don't. And I, that, that's a good. That's a good question because I know a lot of brewers do that. I see a lot of postings about that using ale yeast, like a ten fifty six or right. something like that. But the uh, the Saccharomyces is in the lambic blend, and so you in order to keep a better balance, in my opinion, just inoculating just as it would be uh, uh, done. Um, uh, with all the cultures at the same time, yeah. the Saccharomyces take off first that are in there anyway, and they, they ferment the majority of the wort, and as the pH drops, then the, the Britannomyces start growing, and then uh, the lactic start growing as well. So you have a series of fermentations that go on over a period of about three to six months until uh, the basis of the beer pretty much starts to come together at that point. I was going to ask, do you think it shortens the total ferment time rather than the two-stage? I think overall, to get the botanomyces gone earlier uh, by having them there as the pH drops, that probably shortens the time a little bit. But I think also it keeps a better flavor profile of having those indigenous yeasts that are uh, typically for that style just just uh, in the fermentation only, not not bringing in that uh, ale culture. Yeah, because sometimes you know it's going to take you a while to get the Brett characteristics to come out. And I was just wondering, well, almost, you know, almost always, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you're going to do it all at once, like you're saying with with uh, your your mix, uh, and if it can blend it better and get it going faster, I'm going to get the Brett probably coming out couple of months earlier than if I separated it out, did an ale first, and then, then pitched in some of the Lambic blend. You're going to get a little more, more time, and depending on how you create that mash to get the, the nice uh, uh, substrate for the bread and the lactic to grow on are is equally as important, and also to keep the body in the beer. That six-hour mash that, that, that's traditionally done for Lambics is there to create that nice starchy uh, proteinaceous uh, mash that uh, gives a lot of uh, uh, non-fermentables uh, uh, for the Saccharomyces, but uh, good fermentables for that'll break down for the Botanomyces and the lactic. So it's a combination of those things: what which cultures you're pitching and what that what that substrate is. Uh, a lot of lambics that I judge in competition tend to be thin on the palate, right. kind of. Uh, uh, that's, I don't think they get the, um, a heavy enough, ma- or a thick enough mash. And when I say thick, I mean just not a lot of, uh, complex sugars left right. and a lot of starches or, or, uh, polysaccharides, uh, left in there that don't, that they, that the Saccharomyces won't ferment. And it keeps a lot of the body and texture in the beer. And that's, that's what I think is important in, in that style. So, uh, getting that basis, I mean, just like any beer you make, it's, uh, it's all starters done. It, we, the beer that you set there, that foundation is, is what's going to end up in the, in the glass. So you, regardless of what you're pitching or what you're doing, you got to get that, uh, dialed in for the style to, to really make it, uh, click and make yes. it work. So the early planning and, you know, you don't want to end up with a really dry kind of lambic. Kind of dry, but thin. It, yeah, if you end up dry and thin on the palate, uh, right. and, and, and as soon as, as soon as the acid starts coming up from the the bread and especially the lactic growth, then all of a sudden they come pretty uh, uh, stringent and, and and harsh, and uh, that that starts to get out of balance pretty quick. So and you, and you even see that with some commercial uh, examples that come from over from uh, from Belgium that have uh, have some age on them. They, some of them tend to be pretty acidic and pretty. Uh, Tart and thin, even uh, just from the age and, and transit and, 
and and that particular batch, uh, they they vary every one of them, and even how they're blended, they vary quite a bit as well. So basically, so. compensate for the, in the mash. Start it from the get, beginning. Get that big, yeah, if you're going to do that style, get a get that uh, nice starchy mash that uh, they're using that uh, raw wheat and uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, maceration in the mash itself in order to create that nice substrate. So a lot of dextrin, something that's going to come out in the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Even even if you added maltodextrin, that probably like uh, some beers uh, call for that would probably be a benefit as well if you have any trouble getting it in there. So yeah. And some listeners asking what temp you would ferment your lambics at. Well, uh, a brew them in the fall tends to be on the cool side, and they ferment probably in the uh, low 60s for the most part. Okay, that's that's pretty low. Yeah, it's a little on the low side. It it probably warm up a little bit some uh, during the heat of fermentation, but uh, uh, probably not a lot. So the low to mid 60s is probably what they see mostly. Sometimes it's... If I end up brewing later in the year and the cellar's a little colder, sometimes they can even be down in the fifties. And yeah, I I don't I fill the barrel up and I just set it and I just don't even look at it till next spring. And so I don't really. Sometimes I go and do a little sampling, but uh, so usually I just let time take care of itself and uh, uh, work on what I've already uh, kegged off or bottled up uh, in the meantime. So you don't totally empty your your barrels. You just top them up I every pull, year. I pull, I pull them down just about where they're where they're empty usually, and then fill fill the whole thing back up with a with a with a brew or two. Yeah. Okay. Someone else want to know if you've ever experimented with brewing a hundred percent Britannomyces fermented beers. You know we have. That's a good question. That's an interesting thing too because Britannomyces by itself, there's we I think we run about three or four different uh, strains in our lab, um, uh, different breast strains, and they all vary a little bit. But one thing I mentioned earlier is that they, a number of them don't grow that well uh, until the pH drops. And so doing 100% tends to be a little bit difficult to get the uh, uh, fermentation underway very active. But once it does get going, they will tend to ferment out pretty well. And they can, when you get 100% bread, it, it can be very strong and, and, and uh, uh, intense in flavor. And would it be, uh, there is one. Would it be too dry, too? Possibly. Oh, um, possibly. It's just they're they're a little awkward on their own. Uh, the one that I tasted that we did in the lab that used the um, uh, one Brett strain that a number of the California brewers, Vinny Saluso and uh, a couple of the other guys, have been using, uh, along with Peter Buchard from New Belgium, uh, ferments better by itself than most of the other breaths we've seen, and it seems to be a little bit different than most breaths, and it doesn't quite have that. Sweaty horse blanket character that uh, mm, the JP has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a little bit different, and, and it did. It, it was very dry and very tart, and I, I didn't find it that appealing. So, uh, I think that that by itself uh, maybe needs some work yet. Okay. All right, uh, I've got a lot of questions for you in front of me, Dave. I'm trying to trying to have like a, f- a flow so that we don't just jump from topic to topic, but it's getting impossible. 
So, <laughs> so what I may do is just throw some questions at you. Um, a couple people are asking about the smack packs again, and the question is, uh, it's basically why the smack pack and not a truly pitchable medium that doesn't require uh, any any sort of starting. You, you would just kind of dump it in. They're curious uh, it, it, the advantages or, or or how that came about for you. Well. Uh you can take the uh, the activator smack pack and just open it up and pour it in. That that would be typical uh, of, uh, of not having any starter. And if you you can certainly do it that way. There's, okay. there's no there's nothing uh, uh, really that's going to be adverse, especially if the yeast is fresh. As long as you know it's active and it's, and the yeast is viable, uh, nothing wrong with that. And, you know, when the yeast are fresh in the, in those packs. You uh, start to swell within a few hours, and you know you've got activity. Uh, there's you, you could activate it when you start brewing, and, and certainly uh, be ready to pitch. Or, like I say, you don't have to. You don't have to activate it. Okay. Uh, so that it really is their choice. But we, like I said, when we we got into this twenty some years ago, it was one to make sure that people knew that the yeast was was uh, alive before they pit it. You know, put uh, all their work into twenty gallons of uh, beer and, and and not have anything fermenting it. So, see, and I would so, have personally uh, found your house and thanked you for that if I at that time, because I under, as I understand it, it was really a difficult thing to get good, healthy, viable yeast, and uh, that was really something revolutionary. And uh, that's a good point, just that you can see that the yeast is happy and and ready to go to town. Well, I think if you did that, Dave would have gotten a handshake and a restraining order. <laughs> Exactly, it's possible. Well, my my first beer, my first beer was with a smack pack, and it said let it swell to whatever it swells to, and then throw it in. I, and I knew nothing about viable yeast. Yeah, it was just boil this stuff up, smack this pack, watch it get you know thick here, and then throw it in. <laughs> and the first one didn't didn't do too much. It swelled a little bit. Yeah, but I didn't know any better. I my threw first it in. time, it swelled real fast. <laughs> yeah. So then, then but, but you know, down. the subsequent ones after that, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> and yeah, and it, it the ferment went, went a lot better with that one. I probably, I think I had it too cold. Mm. You know, yeah, there's, there's variables that that make it uh, challenging. And you know, you and I both were were beginning brewers at one time, and then just like everybody out there, you learn so much through just the experience because there's so many variables. Yeah, but there's temperature. For aeration or viability, uh, it's a uh, it's a lot to get right uh, all the points to make a to make a beer that you're 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 after. So uh, that little bit of trial and error, a little bit of experience, uh, starts to build, and uh, again, I think it makes it fun at the same time. There's, there's a lot of things as new brewers that uh, we don't know that we leave up to guys like you. So, yeah. hey, thanks for that. Oh. You know, thanks, hey. for, thanks for the effort and all that. Let's take a phone uh, call. We've got uh, Jamil on the phone who wants to uh, chime in here. Jamil Zaina Chef. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jamil. How are you? Great. How are you, you doing? Back from okay. <laughs> I, I'm doing good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I think in the chat room some people are thinking that you and I disagree on some points of yeast or something like that, and uh, I think... The important thing to take away, and I think both you and I would agree that the most important thing is the yeast health. What you really want is healthy yeast. And it's better to have fewer healthy cells than a whole bunch of unhealthy cells. 
right? That, and that certainly happens, exactly. Yes, that's very true because uh, uh, yeast, for uh, uh, varying reasons, uh, lose their vitality. Uh, sometimes it can happen right when you're trying to propagate it. Uh, temperature is a big issue, on, especially for ale yeast starting out. Uh, uh, they can just go almost, uh, they can look dead, They're almost dormant, and yet be almost uh, uh, all viable, but just poor vitality. And uh, with a little time and a little uh, a little care and nutrient, uh, you can bring that uh, vitality to uh, optimum conditions. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big difference. Uh, having uh, a few good, healthy ones is uh, better than an army of, uh, of uh, sleepers. No doubt about that. So you're talking about fluffing? <laughs> I, th- I think the, the main point is that... Uh, <laughs> No sleeper cells is really what we're after here. Yeah. All those healthy, viable <laughs> cells are, are the key. Well, I have a question now that, uh, since we're, we're bringing up, uh, you know. Fluffing. Fluffing. Um, Go ahead. Uh, Dave, what's, what's your opinion on, uh, uh, loggers, uh, pitching warm versus pitching cold? Oh, see, here well, comes uh, the big thing. I'm glad we got Jamil yeah. on the phone here, too. And uh, I'll let you know, before, as you're going to answer this, Dave, I've got this in front of me from listeners, too. <laughs> it has a long history, this debate on our show. So uh, there is no, uh, as of yet, there's no right or wrong <laughs> answer. Uh, oh, just, so you say. <laughs> <laughs> just know that you're jumping, I just want to let you know you're jumping right into the wolf's den here. It's a, It's This question oh, has some history. We're waiting with bated breath. Yes, please continue. Okay, I guess I'll have to say, uh, uh See all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> of course, good answer. <laughs> okay, well that's that's good because um, there's a a, a uh, time and uh, place where we have advocating is with lager fermentations to start warm, and then when the yeast is active, to bring it down to fermentation temperatures. Okay. That you're, you, you want. So you, a downward, uh, uh, progression. And I'm reading and, that on your website right now as well, David. It's, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, and I quote, yeah. keep at 75 degrees until fermentation is evident and then adjust to the desired temperature. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, on our packages now, I think we say 65 to 75 for, for the loggers. But even at, uh, 75, now that's a, that's a standard propagation temperature. For lager yeast, okay. 75, 77 Fahrenheit, uh, fermented warm uh, during propagation or growth. Uh, they will grow lower uh, at 65. Most of the strains grow pretty well also. Now, for the sake of home brewers, and when we put, we put a lot of thought into uh, making sure that home brewers got fermentation underway uh, successfully, and we went with the warmer temperature, and we did that so that uh, people would realize that uh, you can't just take the lager yeast and stick it in your refrigerator and let it ferment it and, uh, because you're going to cold ferment it. Okay. Uh, that's going to be a slow, long lag time, and it's going to be uh, problematic in some situations uh, that they can't really control. It's a difficult uh, uh, thing to be able to manipulate on a home brewing level, especially for novice home brewers, we wanted to keep it simple. And, and even today, when you talk, I talk to most professional brewers that produce lagers, typically the propagation starts at 75, but then it's ramped down about to 65, and then to maybe 55 
and maybe pitch there or even pitch to 45, pitch lower. Okay. Because when you're harvest, harvesting and repitching with lager yeast in particular, or you have a, a propagation that you made and you harvested the yeast and you've got good vitality and you've got good healthy yeast and, and a good cell count for the, for the beer that you're making, uh, starting cold, uh, down around 45 Fahrenheit, if you could run in your work down at 45, pitch the yeast there, and watch a very long lag time without being too concerned or, or freaking out about no ferment signs of fermentation in two hours. That is a very traditional German method of, of lager brewing. Start very cold, let the heat of fermentation rise up through about uh, low to mid-50s, and let it finish out in the mid-50s, for example. Hmm. So starting cold, finishing warm. And finishing warm is, is good for most fermentations, uh, ales as well. And even, even with, uh, an ale, uh, fermentation, you, you might find in brewers, uh, out there, uh, looking at starting your fermentation in the low 60s, uh, 62 to 65, uh, maybe even 65 to 68, starting on the cool side of, uh, normal. And then allowing the heat of fermentation rise up into the low to mid seventies to finish it on a warmer note as well. Mm-hmm. The beers that are produced, uh, whether it's a pilsner starting cold and letting it rise, or or, or an ale that's done the same ways, uh, the ester profiles change on those, and uh, the cell growth is uh, suppressed early on, mm-hmm. and at least some of the uh, fatty acids uh, available for ester formation later. And another thing that occurs in this type of fermentation is that the end point of fermentation is reached easier as it warms rather than being on the cool side throughout or cooler at the end. Uh, helps clean up diacetyl, helps finish with a good, with a good terminal gravity and a, and a, and a final end point, uh, in a, in a consistent time. And the ester profile, I think, is enhanced by this uh, uh, fermentation. And, and even with, with, with Pilsners or lager beers that you're fermenting cold, there's still esters there. Now, we talked about that earlier and said, well, you want to suppress them somewhat. Yeah. But there's still esters that come out in a Pilsner beer, a light Pilsner, or even if you crack a Budweiser, there's a lot of esters in that because there's not much else going on. And okay. so those little key uh, elements are, are important, and you can enhance them by cold start, warm finish. Dave, have you so ever that, run that, for public office? I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't hear a definitive answer there at all. Dave, so, so, all, all I know is the, the, diff- the, the difference the is, are, and I, I would I would agree with Dave 100. Uh, percent Everything he said, I think, is absolutely perfectly correct and and true. And Dave is is you know so knowledgeable. The 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 difference I think you're going to end up with is you know he's saying you know for homebrew purposes. You're probably better off, uh, you know, unless you're able to get that larger, healthy pitch, better off going warm. Now, you're going to end up with a different ester profile. There's different esters that are produced, warmer versus colder, and you're going you're gonna to end up with a, a, a different uh, flavor profile, different type esters, and you're going to end up with more diacetyl in the warm fermented uh, start. Okay. And, and, and those are things that, for the average home brewer, it's perfectly acceptable because, a lot of people they they just want a, a beer that they're excited about and and if you're trying to make you know the the most flawlessly perfect beer you might try something different but okay. there's nothing wrong with that 
All right, Dave. Let me ask you. Let me get. Let me. Let me get. Let me get it to you this way. You, I, here, what I heard from you was the sort of uh, this is the way we did it. It's the keep it simple method. It's it's definitely the best way to do it. And just like Jamil's saying, is on average. So, uh, very specifically, a nice Hellas or a Pilsner, clean, low ester profile. Should somebody pitch cold or warm? And, and I'm talking ideally here now. So don't take into account uh, the, uh, a more simple home brewer like myself or a new a newcomer. Uh, the ideal situation would be to pitch at what temperature for a nice Hellas or a Pilsner? Good question. That is a good question. And if uh, if you've got the equipment to control your temperatures and know what your temperatures are, mm-hmm. and like I say, have, having, having the yeast, healthy yeast there, I, I would tell people if you started it at uh, pitched at 45 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Uh, I, I would. That's what I would do myself. Okay. Nice. I've Thank got. You. I've got a question. Uh, you just propagated your starter up, and as you were saying, you know, 70s. It's a nice propagation temperature. Getting your. Mm-hmm. Do you get your uh, starter down to that temperature, or just throw it in and shock the hell out of it? That is a good question. Um, or, or, or do you, or do you bring it down slowly over a few days before you pitch it? Now, if you have your propagation in the seventies and it's and fermented in the propagator, right? Is that what you're telling? Well, yeah, yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna do a starter. We're gonna step it up, step it up. Uh, yep. Doing a twenty gallon batch, and we're gonna pitch it into the conical. Uh, pro- I like to propagate warm like that one, but I always wonder, yeah. you know, do do I Pull it down fast and you know let it flocculate and then pitch it in, or do I pull it down slowly to not shock it? And then I like to pitch cold. Uh, and it's always yeah. that question: you know, where's the starter and where's the wort? Yeah. What about what about the shock value? What yeah. do we do there? Is this, is this something? Is this something that you would decant the, uh, the yes. supernatant off the? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Which well, means, doc, to pour off the beer on the top. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, we're pouring sorry. the beer off the top. Okay. Yeah, just the yeast slurry left. Right. Uh, as a rule, they say drop it slowly, uh, a couple of degrees an hour. Uh, it's about the most that um, you'd want to. And if you think about it, that's not too much more than putting in a refrigerator and letting it be coming down over several hours. Mm. It's going to be a little quicker, perhaps. Uh, a little bit harder to control, but uh, but some people can certainly do that. Well, wouldn't the supernate on top of the the slurry kind of help, kind of contour that a little bit? It would, it would contour; it would help it come down on a more gradual basis. Right. Uh, I, you know, I know there's some uh, cold shock seems to be affect yeast more uh, during fermentation than uh, between fermentation. Usually, as a rule, brewers say, "Let's get this cooled down as quickly as possible." Right. Down close to uh, close to 32 Fahrenheit as quick as possible, but I think uh, when when you say quick, uh, I think if you're, you're cooling a vessel in, in a large brewery, you'd be cooling at a couple degrees an hour. And even if you took a uh, a quart or a half gallon starter and stuck it in your refrigerator, you probably wouldn't be cooling down much faster than a couple of degrees an hour either, right. even at that. And so I think with that, I think it's very practical, and I don't think you're usually going to suffer uh, adversely from that. That cool down. Uh, you're going to help concentrate the cells by by ha- helping them settle. As that uh, as that word clears, you've got a better concentration of cells that you can uh, uh, pour that uh, word off, and and then you don't have the esters 
right. in the uh, in that word going into the beer, and that's one of the big things about being able to do that to keep that that uh, ester uh, development at those warmer temperatures out of the beer, and so yeah. you, you're going to make a better. Make, make a better product, more than likely. What I've always done is I've kept the supernate on it as I've, I've added to it yeah. and then put that in the refrigerator. And it works as a buffer yeah. buffer for the whole system so it doesn't cool it down too fast. By the time I'm ready yeah. to pitch, it's down, I decant, and then pitch the slurry, and it seems to work. And I, I pitch cold, so yeah. it works yeah. for me. So, like, over, letting, letting it set overnight, right. basically? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Uh, you, you've got it right. You've got to dial it in, and that works well. You got, the other, the other way that propagations are oftentimes done, and I would imagine a lot of uh, uh, brewers at home would probably recognize that that stepping it up or making one propagation, getting it very actively fermenting, and pitching the entire volume. Right. And with the, with, the, with an ale fermentation or or uh, uh, something that's warmer fermented and in a warm propagation probably not an issue at all and and actually when you pitch on when they say pitch on icroisin when the yeast are very active and 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 stepping it up or pitching it into your beer at that time is actually a more optimum for yeast and and, and healthy yeast is, is pitching on that at that, that that uh when it's actively fermenting at a very high rate now dave what, uh, when we're talking about uh shocking the yeast what exactly happens uh when the yeast are are, are shocked do they um, you know produce off esters do they mutate what 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 happened let's say if i had a my beer at uh you know 50 degrees and i had my starter at 70 or 75 what uh what what, what would go on in a molecular level i guess well uh, that that's a good question the uh the yeast uh Especially ale yeast, when you get them down uh, uh, on the cool side, uh, sometimes they'll settle. Uh, they'll settle out and not to slow their metabolic rate down. It, the, the, the lipids that are in the cells, if it's cooler than uh, 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 than where they're fluid, you know, just like uh, oils or any other uh, fats, the colder they get, the thicker they are, and that can affect the. Uh, uh, the uptake of nutrients across the uh, the cell wall. That's my experience is probably one of the biggest effects of uh, of that cold environment uh, that that the yeast can go into quickly. The cell wall. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Slow down their metabolism. So the whole metabolism yeah. slows down. The cell wall thickens to protect yeah. the inside of the yeast, right? I'll tell you, I wish my yeah. cell wall thickened when it got cold. Yeah, it's the opposite. <laughs> you, just get, you just get shrinkage. <laughs> that would help out a lot of things, you know what I mean? No, I don't. What are you talking about? One thing I wanted to say, I, I need to drop off here, but one thing I want to make sure everybody understands out there is that Dave uh, is very generous with his time and very helpful for, for homebrewers out there, and I think everyone needs to uh, uh, give him a lot of kudos for all the effort he puts out in trying to uh, share his knowledge and uh, provide great products for, for the homebrewer out there. I don't think he gets enough enough credit for that. Absolutely. That's true. I see them everywhere. Hey, hey thanks, Jamil. Uh, coming from you, that, that's quite a compliment. Uh, here's a guy that uh, is probably an avid and, uh, and a class home brewer that I've ever met, and uh, he brings home the medal of uh, making great beers. That's and it's always a treat uh, to that, share a little uh, 
Jared Beer and a little time with him. Dave, Thanks. if you're still using class and Jamil in the same <laughs> sentence, you haven't spent enough yeah. time with him. I was going to say... Uh, uh, okay. Where's your whole credibility yeah. in the toilet right there? <laughs> yeah. Sh- shake his hand, oh, tell, tell him he's a nice guy, but don't give him a picture of you, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, As I said, Dave, uh, Monday morning your phone lines are just going to be lit up. <laughs> True. Another good story ruined by an eyewitness, huh? <laughs> Jamil, thanks for the call, brother. All right, thank you. Take Later care. On. The great uh, Jamil Zana chef there. All right, uh, Dave, you got a little time? Yeah, sure do. Okay, let me try to just fire some of these at you so Rapid we can fire. so we can get through them, um, and we'll just try. We can go. I'll do quick questions if you do quick answers. Or at least as, right. as quick as we can keep them, so I can try to get everybody's uh, answers uh, questions answered. Rather, uh, this one is about hefeweizen yeast, and the question is: Do hefeweizen yeast really store poorly, and if so, why? Any? I don't. I haven't found where they store too poorly. Okay. Uh, they they can start produce a little sulfur if they um, have some vitality problems. And that could be through storage, possibly. Okay. Um, okay. All right. All right. Oh, see, you're good at this. Most people, when I do the, the quick answer thing, I don't get that. You're you're good <laughs> well, at this game. Is, is that <laughs> the, the yeast store poorly, or the hepavices themselves store poorly? Because any wheat beer is going to well, store that, poorly. Oh, they, they they change daily. You're right, yeah. and they uh, yeah. I don't think Germans will drink them after their. Uh, uh, four or five weeks old. No, you, you want to pretty much drink. If you want a quick beer, you got a party coming up. You got a brew for something. Woo! Yeah, brew brew a half of ice. That's it. Right there, you go. Okay, right on. The Germans are still into that purity thing. They won't touch it after too long. Let's this see. Then they ship it over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. There you go. The perfect beer. <laughs> Question beer about somebody done. having picked up a, a smack pack. This says I received a smack pack that had already begun to expand. But I found that the pack inside was still intact. Uh, would you be able to tell maybe why the package was expanding? Yes. Uh, the When the yeast were packaged, they still had a little bit of residual CO2 uh, at cold temperatures. The package warmed someplace along the way between our place and theirs. CO2 uh, volatilized and packaged well a little bit. Okay. All right. Easy enough. He is good at this game. He is really good yeah. at, the, at the quick answer. Okay. No, no harm. No harm to the yeast. They're, they're good. It was yeah. fine. Okay. Uh, that's good to know. And in fact, the 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 white yeast pack. I, I did use one that uh, was. It, I wouldn't say it was in, inflated, but it wasn't flat. And I bet you that it was the same thing. Just a temperature yeah. change uh, tends to be 138 degrees here. Uh, yeah. We're not talking about egos here. Come on. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's a two-part question for you. Um, I, I think that there was a rumor that I, that I also think is rumor no more that you guys are about to put out Rogue's Pac-Man yeast as a, as a purchasable product. You are going to do that? We are. Okay. Yes. I, I, if it's not available today, it probably will be next week. Oh, all right. And look for more. Look for more great brewery strains coming available besides Rogue. But Rogue's a fantastic one. Yeah. Uh, we've had so much interest in that over the years. It's been great. So Can you let you us go. know a little bit of the characteristics of the Pac-Man yeast from your point of view? It's a workhorse, for one. And it uh, it's a very flocculent ale strain that uh, leaves a life, uh, flavor, and ester profile without being too rich and big. Uh, and... Uh, cleans up 
and has a nice multi finish. It's a wonderful strength. So, so it'll mow through a lot of things and then flock you laid out pretty well. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I didn't quite catch that. I said it, it, it'll mow through most, uh, high gravity things that like Rogue likes to put out, and, uh, then, yeah. then it'll flocculate out well too, so you get a fairly clear beer out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially for home brewers, it makes it really easy to get it racked quick and yeah. keep it fresh. And by the way, Dave, usually by this point in the show, nobody can understand Doc. So, but, uh, hey, I'm, do, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, doing, I, I have five <laughs> empty beers in front of me. And <laughs> doing well. <laughs> I'm doing good. He is. I think Doc practiced his linguistics while he was on vacation. He sat in the mirror saying, oranges. <laughs> the, teeth, the, teeth, the teeth is good. Plastic. Sibilance. Sibilance. <laughs> yeah. All right, I Dave. Uh, sheet, and sheet, I slit. Now, is the Pac-Man going to be regular, or that's one of your seasonal selections? You know, it's so new, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not even sure. I, I got a feeling it's probably going to be a seasonal one, and we'll... We've got a number of seasonal ones that we're coming out with, and I would uh, think that you'll probably see it for a while, and then we'll probably bring some other ones out that come about, and then we'll have it back again later on. I'm hoping to see something like that where uh, we can drum up a little bit of uh, interest in it by uh, some publicity and and uh, get people uh, aware that it's out there so that they can uh, we can run, make some production runs and keep things keep things fresh for them and. and Keep it uh, interesting with other new strains coming. So, what other brewery yeast uh, can we look forward to? I mean, we got the Pac Man coming out that everybody's you know heard about for years that we couldn't get. Yeah, yeah. what's the scoop, Dave? Yeah, what, what do we got coming around the bin? The Crotchrop Brewery. Boy, company? That's the that's the million dollar question right there. I'll tell you, because. <laughs> If I told you now, then it wouldn't be a surprise. Oh, oh, yeah, they nobody, haven't, they they haven't have, signed on the line yet. Nobody's listening. People don't listen to this show. <laughs> what What are it's your hopes and fears? How's that? <laughs> well, I tell you, we've got some interesting ones coming up. Uh, I can tell you that much. Um, okay. uh, now we've got some commitment on a, on a couple of them. We're, we're, we're prying these uh, things out of these brewers' hands and and uh, getting them to uh, share it with home brewers, so it's uh, it's not an easy task. Uh, so you're, you're, if I have my work cut out, uh, <laughs> now's the time. You're sending Guido over there to persuade him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me your yeast. We <laughs> wouldn't want your slant to get destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The second part yes. of the Pac-Man question was: How do you decide what yeast will be your seasonal selections? Well, that evolved over a little bit of um, uh, time. We've we come across so many interesting yeast strains, and people always want to know what's new, what's new, what, what do you got now that uh, I haven't seen before. That's kind of the nature of uh, home brewers uh, oftentimes. And so we, we expanded our line and expanded our line, and then at a certain point in time we realized that, well, some of these strains, even though they're pretty nice and they're interesting, there's just not that much interest in them from brewers, and so we we took some of them off the market uh, here recently. We added the uh, the uh, seasonal special ones that we're coming up with now, and we want to uh, do more of that, uh, bring strains out and, and promote them and bring some recipes out for people to, to be able to use them and uh, make sure they're out there so that people can get them, and then bring other new ones and interesting ones out. So we're going to try to rotate new things in on a regular basis, and uh, when, when there's something that uh, goes out there and really sticks and people really like, uh, maybe we'll keep it around uh, all the time. So that's going to see. It depends on uh, what brewers are after and what they're interested in and, and what we can provide them. And, and here I thought I just had to do with how many smack packs you had left. Yeah. 
Okay, another listener question from one of our longtime listeners, Wayne, from uh, Bug Eater Brewing Company. He says, he recently stopped into his local homebrew shop to see about ordering a couple of yeasts from you. Uh, specifically, he says, specifically I was looking for Y-Yeast 3725, which is the beer to guard, and Y-Yeast 3726, which is the farmhouse ale. The shop owner pulled out his sheet and saw that both were on the discontinued list. Uh, he says, I then pointed out that both these yeasts were featured on an insert in the Northern Brewer catalog that he had just received that morning, and then also uh, pulled out a flyer he had just received from his distributor featuring the same two yeasts. So they were wondering, is somebody marketing the wrong thing? Or are they actually discontinued, or are those yeasts still available? The the yeasts are available. Good question. I, this really is uh, right in the transition of some of the changes where we pulled some of uh, the many of the older strains that we had on on a regular basis off. Uh, this one was with that group, those two strains. And even though we've only uh, had them out on the market a short period of time, they'll, they'll be part of the seasonal uh, mix at this time. And so they, um, I'm sure they uh, were available. Uh, through Northern Brewer at this time, and when, when, and how long they're available, um, I guess uh, you and I are both going to find that out. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, okay, now I've got a few questions here that are going to be more difficult than short answer, uh, but let's try to do it anyway. Maybe oh, we can. Are we playing stump the brewer? Still do them quick. I I do have <laughs> yeah. one stump the yeasty boy question. Uh, we'll, we'll get All to right. that later. But but before that, uh, one of our Australian listeners, good old Oz. Um, hey Oz. He wants to know. He says, "Can you talk about storing yeast cultures in a ten percent sugar solution? How long uh, can it be stored, and are there problems that you know of to look out for?" Well, that's. Uh, I think it's uh, sucrose is what they're using. A ten percent is a is a is a common method. A good pure uh, culture uh, inoculated in the sucrose and then kept uh, at or near. Uh, uh, 32 Fahrenheit, or for the Australian, that would be right at zero, right? Yep. And uh, just above freezing, but uh, as cold as possible. I think you look for a uh, storage time maybe up to three months doing that. Okay. Okay. It's not a very common method, but it's been around for a long time. Now, you know, we, we, we uh, store yeast at 80, minus 80 C, uh, that you know wasn't very long ago. That type of equipment wasn't even available to most people, and then uh, and so things have changed a lot recently on, on storage. But that was a, a common news method, and it's and it, and it works. Okay, yeah, so. most of the Australians are always worried about you know, they can't get good yeast, they can't get viable yeast, and so they're all doing yeast washing and and trying to make it work as uh, best they can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. We we. Sh- one of our biggest uh, export distributors is uh, right down in Melbourne, Australia. So we ship uh, yeast down there fresh every month, I know. Okay. So I think Oz is they're, cheap. They're kind of, yeah. Maybe uh, the, the frugal. Frugal. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they're not <laughs> just letting it out. <laughs> yeah. no, it, is, it is a big country, and, and uh, not everybody lives in uh, within uh, kangaroos hop to, right. to the homebrew shop. So. That's true. Right. Uh, okay, he also wants to know then, when storing yeast under sterile water conditions, uh, how long would it be expected to last? He says uh, that I have some that I've had for four years, but I'm not sure if it's, if it's still any good. Brew with it. Make a starter. Uh, that's, that's gone pretty long, four years. 
Uh, I, I will follow this with a short story, though. But, again, probably that three-month range is, is much more practical uh, to expect uh, some reculturing so you don't end up with mutation or uh, just a, a dead a, a dead mass. Yeah, we we have we have we have, we have uh, brewers down in South Africa we've shipped to for years and years, and a guy well, a brewer down there had a package of our yeast that was nine years old in his refrigerator, mm. and this was a liter of yeast for a brewery. He used, opened it, used it, and said he made some of the best beer he ever had. Wow! I don't know how that happened. I, that's not that's not the rule. That's not the norm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, God, I guess when you're in South Africa, sometimes you got to rub sticks together just to get the fire gone. So. See, I'm thinking, uh, from what I know, if I can chime in here, I've got some boxer shorts that I've had for four years, and you can be sure there's plenty of their own kind of yeast in there, and there is nothing healthier ready to use about those things. I have, they're the, they're the ones that I wear when all the other laundry's dirty. So I'm thinking four years, Oz, forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you get four, you get four uses out of those. Yeah. Inside, outside, front, and back. I, I think you have to explain to Oz what underwear is, actually. It's not a, a kangaroo pouch. Is, yeah. Because he's storing it in the kangaroo pouch. <laughs> I miss, Oz, I miss you, my friend. I miss you. Uh, Dave, is there a way to count cells without lab equipment? Now, even I could probably answer this, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, we, you know, we, um, yeah, we've sure. got a guess. Cool, Go ahead. We've got a cool little, um, uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation that Greg Doss, one of our microbiologists did. And he took yeast and put it in a, in a 50 mil tube and he let it settle out and let the, let the, let the supernatant, uh, uh, settle to the top and the yeast settle down. Yeah. And he gave some, he gave some rough calculations on cell density based on, and we you can get, we can get that from Greg. Uh, it's the lab services at yeastlab.com. Uh, what was the and calculation based on? Sorry, what was the calculation based, based on? Based on uh, uh, the the amount of uh, cells packed out in a fifty mil uh, tube. Okay. So he, he didn't centrifuge or anything. He just done a little no, settle. Settled in the refrigerator twenty four hours. We just did a very simple settling. That's like a, count, in a, ca- count the beans in the jar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, right. I mean, if, if so, you, you know, the, the, the percentage of uh, solids give you, uh, we 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 did then did a cell count and said, okay, fifteen percent solids is about this much, and twenty five percent solids is about this much, and so yeah, we've got that, and that's that's about the best way that I know of a home brewer could get an estimation on cell density is, is following that little guide that uh, Greg put together. So. so where can we get that guide? Actually, just email me, uh, Dave at Okay, why uh, I'll get it out to you. You can get a lot yeah. of emails tomorrow, yeah. too. I ain't coming in tomorrow. Actually, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the podcast I'm people good. are going to get you about Thursday. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> it's the archive listeners chime in. Right. Um, right. How about this? Uh, he's, last question from Oz, and then I'm getting rid of this guy. Uh, he says, I have some yeast in a test tube that has some black staining on the top. Uh, he says it looks like autolysis, uh, but he's not sure. Will the yeast under the stained top layer be okay, or, and I quote, is it all fucked? <laughs> That's what he wants to know. You just said it was an Australian I'd, I'd, accent, I'd, though. Is it all fucked? I'd, 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 I'd keep that uh, uh, the same place you keep that underwear you got. Mm-hmm. Probably the 
those, those two are probably good companions. If it's black, it's probably some sort of slime mold or something like that that got in there. I agree. And I've I would, got the same thing. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't trust it. If it's on the bottom, if it's on the top, it's everywhere. So how about, how about he, stre- he streaks it out on a plate and see what he gets? And pull a couple. Of, there you go. Uh, streak yeah, it, you, you streak it on a plate that. and see what you get, and, yeah. and pull the nice white ones and leave the black, nasty green ones. That, you could do that. Yeah, that, that would it probably might, uh, clean it up, uh, depending on what was left and uh, what you had uh, in that test tube, along with the black stuff. Uh, hopefully, that's something that uh, will make some beer too. Okay, another Good question, a uh, little more difficult side. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the questions. Um, it maybe gets just a, a general answer out of you. I might have this person email you directly. Um, his questions pertain to a method of aerobic yeast propagation in which the medium is continuously in, infused into the propagation vessel in such a way that a very low concentration of glucose is maintained in the propagation vessel. Uh, he gives a description of it, but I won't read it if you know what I'm talking about already, Dave. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, and, so, so the question, and the question is... His questions are, he says, uh, is this method used commercially? Uh, he's got a couple of them, so I'll just go one at a time. Is it used commercially for producing brewer's yeast? Yes. It is. Okay. It is. Uh, does it have any effects on the yeast that make them less suitable for brewing? None I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, and finally, he says, how should the wort using this method be supplemented so that glucose becomes the only limiting growth factor and undesirable effects on the yeast are minimized? Well, uh, okay, that's a pretty good question, too. The, um, if you maintain the, the glucose feed and uh, zinc, uh, other trace nutrients, that uh, with a free amino nitrogen of about, I think, 140 parts per million, if we're going to get technical about it, okay. and you want that uh, in there as well. Uh, basically, if you're using barley malt as a base, you have pretty much everything there that you need, with maybe the exception of zinc. With the additional zinc supplement to that uh, medium, uh, should be good to go. Okay. All right. I do have a bunch of other questions, Dave. I may let you off the hook here and just ask people to uh, email them to you. Would that be all right? And plus, well, I kind of like to keep way, them. Whatever, okay. Whatever works for you. Okay. Uh, I, I'm free. Well, part of me likes to keep people hanging so we can have you back again. You right. know what I mean? Like if we answer yeah, okay. every question on the planet. What are you going to talk uh, about next know. time? Yeah. And I've only but got a few. We haven't talked about a few things. We've got new products coming and stuff like that, and I won't even get into that now. Uh, you already baited me a little bit on what strains we got coming. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you get me back sometime, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll talk about some fun stuff we did with experiments with uh, with blending yeast, different yeast strains, new beer styles, uh, some different things that uh, really haven't been done out there before uh, with uh, different strain mixes. I wouldn't mind and, spending uh, a little time on that now if you got if you want to spend a few minutes talking about your new <laughs> products like that. See Justin Justin he he's a master uh baiter, you know what I mean? He will bait you. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, the um, that's some other products that uh we've worked with with commercial brewers for a number of years that work very well for in a in uh a couple areas to help home brewers make better beer. So uh, I'll I'll uh, leave you with that. Okay. Uh, there's some uh things that we that we've got coming we don't have them on the shelf yet so i i, I 
I can't spill the beans too far. But uh, getting into uh, uh, strain mixes, we just did a presentation down in Orlando at the National Homebrew Conference where we did some different beer styles, adding some other yeast to them to create some new flavors and, and, and different uh, uh, beer profiles that uh, I don't think have ever been done before. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And we can talk more about that and some of the other experiments we've done with uh, with some different strains. And uh, in addition to that, there's uh, a number a number of uh, questions I'm sure that you have that uh, we haven't gotten into uh, with uh, fermentation characteristics, uh, strain selection for different beer styles, uh, for for uh, brewing beers that you want to. Uh, Hit a style with, and, and and what to look for in those strains, or, or uh, what you what's out there to choose from, yeah. and uh, there's a number of things that uh, we can spend a lot of time on. I'm sure. All right, we got another hour coming with Dave for our next show. Though. Oh, for sure. So we'll do. You ever? Can we get him into the studio? Can I ask you ever in our area, Dave? We're in. Uh, well, you know, uh, Africa. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. I'd, I'd love to come down. The All Greater right. San Francisco area. Yeah. All right, we'll keep nagging you then. If you're okay. going to be down well, our way, we'll do we'll, it then. We'll get the stars to align, huh? Okay. There we go. Last thing before I let you go, we like to play a game here, usually with our guests. A lot of time, our guests are brewers, so the game's called Stump the Brewer. We uh, occasionally change it, so today it's Stump the Yeasty Boy, and. Uh, it's just a, a random questions from from people from our listeners. I had one sent in. I'll throw this one at you. If our chat room uh, wants to give uh, one or two more while we're doing it, then we'll we'll take another couple. Uh, I don't know if we have anything to give away. That we'll just do it for fun. Um, all right, are you ready for this? JP's car. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Sorry. The question is: Who was the first person to use solid media to culture yeast, and what was the solid media? I think I'm stumped. <laughs> they should, do this. They, know the there's no penalty for I, guessing. <laughs> they, no, <laughs> David. They do this every time. Well, they know, just I, dig deep, you know. And, and pasture or Leyland Hook may have been one of the two. I'm not sure, but uh, those 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 two come to mind. It looks like Pasteur was the no. second. I think the yeah. answer, according to this listener, uh, it was uh, it was Dr. Robert Cock or Cook. <laughs> okay, there you go. He, yeah, I believe he's right. Okay. On solid medium. And it was in Good 1881, job. and the solid medium yep. was um, the cut surface of a boiled potato. Yes, oh. that's correct. Okay, and he says so. that uh, agar was later discovered to be a better medium after he discovered Frau Hess, agar. the wife of one of his assistants, using agar to set her jams. Agar. Ah. Agar. Agar. So, okay. Did so, you get any right. from the chat right. room, Daniela? No, he's stumped already. Okay. So, Dave, uh, we can look forward to uh, <laughs> we can look forward to slices of potato coming out soon, I guess, right? Yeah. Pota- uh, potato stock yeah. dog. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, You're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeast on potatoes. <laughs> I love it. David Logston of Y Yeast Yeast Company, and you can go to yeastlab.com, or you can click the big giant featured link right on our homepage. It's blue, and it says Y Yeast, and you click it, and it takes you right to their homepage. Bada and bing. you can uh, read all about the good stuff over at, over at Y Yeast. And then, uh, as Dave uh, said earlier, it's Dave at yeastlab.com, right? Yeah, there yeah. I am. If you want to ask Labs. questions personally. Labs. No, I don't think there's an S at the end, is there? 
I think there is. No, no, no S. No, no, there is no S. Yeah. I apologize. But JP, don't mess with me. I was trying me. to be smart. I know what's happening here. Oh, I thought he was just slurring his words. <laughs> yeah, but I, why are you slurring the car? Listen, Lachoo. Okay. <laughs> well, we do appreciate your time. Uh, please give uh, our congratulations to your daughter for winning second place in the softball tournament. Excellent. But how did she do? Two, two did she play Thank well? Thank you. I had, I had a pitcher. Pitcher and a catcher. Really? Uh, we got one, the, one, one drove in the, the tying one, and then, then, then the other one got up and drove in the winning round. So it's just like lunch. A lot meat. of fun. Thanks. Beautiful. There you go. Uh, what do you got, twins? I got triplets. Oh, wow. No, really? Wow. Yeah. What a mess. Yeah. And so, they're, not, they're not teenagers yet? <laughs> oh, boy. Teenage girls. Uh-oh. He's yeah. A, he's I, I've, got, I've got boys, and I thank myself every day. <laughs> that they're not, yeah, that they're not triplets? No, that, that, <laughs> that, that I have bail money and college fund. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, well, that's hey, great fun, guys. Great. Uh, sure enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Man. We really great. do appreciate you spending all this time with us. And I, w- I would love to get you in the studio. Oh, yeah. So we'll be in contact and okay. uh, and try to work yeah, that let's, out. Let's talk, talk about some dates in, uh, in the future here and, and uh, see what we can put together. Okay. That'd be great. Great. Seriously. The, the great David right. Loxon of Wyeese. Thanks very much, David. Justin, JP, Danielle, Dr. Scott, thank you all so hey, thank much. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon, and uh, we'll tip a few, huh? All right, brother. Cool. Yeah. All right, That's man. what we're really talking about, isn't <laughs> it? That's right. <laughs> Portland. Take, take care, David. Bye. All right, bye-bye. There you go. David Logston of YUC. That was good. Company. That was First appearance lot, on our show. A lot of good information. That was really yeah. good. What yeah. a nice That went guy. by really fast, too. Yeah, he's cool. a cool guy. I've heard nothing but really good things uh, yeah. about Dave before. He, and, I, and I had never met him, but uh, really people had told me that he's he's really into home brewers and really into home brewing. And that's a really cool thing because, uh, uh, to be quite honest, there's a, a lot of companies that are in the home home homebrew industry, and they're also in the professional brew industry. Right. They're not as big on homebrewers as mm-hmm. as uh, homebrew shops are, uh, and, and some are, some aren't. And Dave seems to be one of these guys who's real stoked about homebrewers, yeah. and I like that. Well, I think it takes a special person to be able to, you know, answer the question, you know, the questions that homebrewers have over and over and over again, especially for 20 years. It's 20 like years. He's been a, yeah. yeah. You know, like. Uh, well, can I just leave it on my on top of my fridge for two months and then use it? <laughs> yeah. Or you know, or like, oh, I got it and it's dead. You know, it's it, it definitely takes a passion for the uh, um, for for knowledge. You know, and it, that's that's really great. That's it, good to have months. You're right. It's you know answering the same questions over and oh, over and so over. Old, but you you do it because. You to, want, to them, it's you, new. Every exactly. Time that and you want to improve. And you want to improve uh, the market in general. You want to improve not the market, but the hobby. You want to improve everyone, and and you realize that that as people exit, people enter as well. And um, you know, and you can't say you dumbass. We answered yeah. that question last week exactly because they just got into this. They don't know that. Yeah. So. See, I don't really. They know wouldn't what... be around for twenty years if they did that. That's for sure. No way. Yeah. No way. I actually don't know what you guys are talking about because I never uh, mind it when the question happens over and over again. Is it true what they say about tall guys with big feet? Mm-hmm. I, I can answer that all day long, <laughs> yeah. every day. I never, it well, never gets yes, old. Yes, it's a myth. Well, but no, it, it's just <laughs> <laughs> those same questions keep coming out of your mouth over and over. <laughs> I think it's really true. You know, I have. I'm a tall guy. I'm six five. I have big feet. It, it, yes, it is hard to find oh, shoes. 
news. All right, all right. We're going to take a real quick yeah, break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, it's been a, a, a long show, as yeah. usual, yeah. but the studio's just starting to cool down. Yeah. We do need to do a quick wrap-up of the Summit Beer Festival we went to at Drake's Ooh. Brewing Company, and then yeah. we'll get the heck out of here. We have to okay. talk about the homebrew competition and speak about Dr. Scott's brother. You're listening to the Brewcasters, Brewcasters. on the Brewing Network.
You're listening to three guys. Excuse me. What about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the Dave Logston Show. Dave Logston has left the building. That's true. At y East Yeast Company. Check them out at yeastlab.com or click the big blue link that says Y East right on our homepage and thank him for doing the show with us. Send him lots of email. <laughs> show it. Prove Doc right. Yeah. But, uh, oh, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming anyway. All right, a couple of things that we do need to make sure we talk about here, and that's why we're back to wrap up. Uh, uh, one of them is a reminder about the Southern California Homebrew Competition that's going on, and you can go to www.hopheads.com for all the details. But please remember, it's not only a BJCP-certified event. JP is sitting there like he thinks no one's looking at him and just jiggling his belly. And so he's so amused. He's laying back in his chair just watching his <laughs> belly jiggle. What is wrong with Thanks you? Thanks for calling me out on that. I appreciate well, I'm that. I'm looking at the look on your face, and you're so satisfied with just sitting there jiggling your belly. It's disgusting. <laughs> Uh, I am. Well, you know, hey. I wish I could describe it enough. He's leaning back <laughs> in the chair don't, like, don't, it's, like it's a recliner. Don't describe it. I described and, it through the chat room already. And like it all bouncing up and down to watch his belly <laughs> jiggle. Danielle, there's got to be a German word for that. Mm. Sort of like... Disgust and weizen. Exactly. Scheiße Kaffee? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> Scheiße man? Schwuchtelsau. Yeah. Oh, Schwuchtel. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what that means. JP is a Schwuchtel, it's true. <laughs> All right, uh, so the Southern California Homebrew <laughs> Competition, hopheads.com, BJCP certified competition, as well as a Brewing Network sanctioned competition. We are sponsoring the event, and they're sponsoring us, and it's a it's a whole lot of sponsoring going on, and we really want everybody to join it. If you've listened for the past few weeks, we've been talking about it. I've never inter- entered a competition before, and neither has Daniela. We're both going to enter this competition. Uh, not only do I want to help support the competition, I really want to help support the BN and get a lot of BN names up in that award ceremony. It was beautiful. It doesn't mean if you don't have any award-winning beers right now, take this opportunity to send it anyway and get right. some feedback about why it's not an award-winning beer. Right. Because as I say, I want to hear all these Brewing Network names in the winner's circle. You can be sure mine's not going to be one of them. But I am really going to enjoy the feedback uh, about the beer that I did, and it was my first all-grain attempt, and uh, I'm pretty happy about it, so we'll see what happens. Daniela's beer is fermenting right now. How's it that is. going for you? It's going all right. I'm having a hard time trying to keep it at a proper fermentation temperature, but I'm doing my best. It's 100 degrees out. <laughs> And this uh, this actually isn't a joke. It really is a hundred degrees in Concord. Hundred degrees in particular. So uh, we are doing the old uh, bucket of water technique and trying to keep that firm temp down for you. But that's the beer you're going to enter in this competition, also. That, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. So I hope it's going to turn out fine. It turned out to be a little stronger than I expected it to be. We had a very high OG. Mm-hmm. So I hope it's good. I don't know what style I'm gonna it, uh, I'm gonna enter it. What did in. you brew? We'll figure it out. Well, I, I brewed my uh, traditional blonde recipe. I alternated a little bit because it was an AG, 
all grain. So I put some more, uh, some more grain in there. I just felt like it. Just uh, because I felt yeah. like it, I was at the I was at the more beer store and I just was browsing around their grains and I saw a nice yeah. other grain and I said, ah, I'm gonna throw all, it in there. All too. Those I did that too. All those Let's put some in. Yeah. You know it what was impressive? Really though? good though. That's what was impressive is that she did the Brian Hunt method and mm-hmm. it, not as if he's the only one who's ever said it, but he was the first one to say it on the show. At, she already had her grain bill and she's going through it and then she sees in the in, in B3 if you go back and you pull your own grains there's just all these boxes of grains and they all say the names on there so what does she see on there Munich. Munich. <laughs> but she didn't just willy-nilly go, oh, it's Munich. She, uh, obviously, that's what attracted her. But uh, I'm, I walked back there, and she's chewing on grains. Nice like, she she threw it in there, and, and the flavor was awesome. I, yeah. I ended up chewing on some of them, too. Yeah. And you decided, based on that, uh, chewing. Right. Like okay. a goat. I just threw in another two pounds of it, so not too much. Um, so that's a little different. And so what's your OG? My OG after boil is 1063. <laughs> wow. And it's, this is that Hellas ale that she did the first time, but <laughs> we did it mini made a bock. Yeah. It's a bock, right? It's a bock. It's, it's probably a bock, right? Yeah. So we'll see. I, I don't know. It's been in the fermentation for eight days now. So another, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to keg it next Saturday. And we'll see. So I'm, I'm going to enter it no matter what. Of course. We just got to figure out what to enter yeah. it as. So. I also warm pitched and I also did not do a starter this time because I've talked a lot to people about yeast starters in Orlando, Florida. I actually was doing beer talk all day long. Yeah. And I've talked to some people who really know about the yeast business too and they've influenced me quite a bit in their opinion that yeast starters are a great thing if you like to experiment with yeast and if you want to try different things and if you like the whole deal of it. But for me, I'm looking for convenience and I don't know a whole lot about yeast yet. So I just pitched. Right. Well, I think I mean anything over ten sixty, you should definitely do something. Starter. Yeah. Well, we pitch two vials. Yes, oh, okay. I pitch two vials. <laughs> then you're good. I, yeah. you yeah. have nutrients. That's, the other one. That's convenience. Yeah, exactly. It, well, but it, it wasn't just a convenience. Like Daniela said, she actually we had the opportunity to do right. a starter. I did Through have it. Her yeah. conversations with uh, some yeast people, uh, she decided that a starter wasn't necessary. Right. Yeah. Because and, they well, two vials should be fine. Yeah, you should be yeah. good. Yeah. No, I, I mean we just had a lot of yeast discussion, and I asked him for the advantages and asking for the disadvantage. I don't understand everything yet. I'm, right. I'm honest. I ask a lot of d- dumb questions because I don't know anything about yeast, but they they broke it down for me so that a dumb person could understand too, and it sounded reasonable sure. to me. So I am actually going to try for a few batches now not to do a starter, and then I'm going to do a comparison batch, and I'm going to do the same recipe with a starter and see if there is any way that you could ta- taste a difference even. I mean, it, it's hard to know everything about, uh, you know, everything. about, about uh, everything about everything. I mean, it would take not like a scientist or someone like that yeah. to really tell you about yeast. <laughs> it would take someone who went yeah. to school for a period of time. Uh, somebody who spent some time in front of, say, a professor. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying I want to go with the <laughs> with the best way for me now because I think the yeast is so critical in the whole, whole brew process. Oh, you know, sure. it's so sensitive. So I want to go for a convenient solution right now that I don't mess up too much. So that's what I'm looking for right now. And this is why I decided against the... Against um, starter and I warm pitch too because that was a very convincing argument too. I warm pitched at a temperature of seventy, what was it, seventy four, mm. seventy six maybe, and then I tried to decrease the temperature like two, uh, no, one degree every two hours. How are you temperature controlling? Well, in a bucket with ice. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
but it did really actually. Hard to do it. It, it is hard, hard to do it exactly yeah. right. But if, if you average out the time from the time that she pitched until then, that we ne- until it was down to, it to firm temp, it about worked out. What, yeah. what temperature are you guys fermenting at? Or with Daniela, what temperature are you? I'm fermenting <laughs> right now. Well, I'm trying to keep it at sixty-eight. Sometimes it okay. goes up to seventy, though, if I'm not fast enough. <laughs> But it stayed between 68 and 70. It always Well, yeah, you shouldn't cold pitch out an ale like that. That's good. Though. Yeah. You did good. Sounds good. I can't wait to try Let's it. see. And I also, I used Halotar for my first recipe. Now I alternated with some Czech sauce because it just wasn't enough hops for the whole all grain dealy. Yeah, so basically we did this thing where Daniela goes in and says, you know, so this is the batch I did before. I did it with mini mash. Mm-hmm. How am I going to do the grains now all grain? And the answer was basically to double the grain bill. So she doubled the grain bill because we basically got half of our malt from grain the last time and half from extract. Yeah, okay. So this time we doubled the grain bill, but then she added the two pounds or something <laughs> of the Munich well, also. <laughs> and I, we're still learning our new all grain system. Sure. So she got this just huge efficiency <laughs> out of the thing because man was this stuff coming out sticky just huge yeah. efficiency that's great and ended up with a with a 1062 beer which may she had picked up the hops and the hop bill was too low right mm. so we call up the good doctor and we're like doc we're on pro mash uh how the hell are we gonna do this <laughs> no you said what are you doing i said well i'm on the computer now Oh, good, I caught you there. So, <laughs> so I fire up ProMash, and uh, we start crunching some numbers. And it turned out that you had to add uh, three ounces of Czech Saz to your already right. three. But originally, you were just going to go three ounces of Hallertau. Right, and I'm exactly, that's what I wanted to do. So we went on ProMash. Dr. Scott advised us to do something, and then we played around with it a little bit. ProMash is cool like that Pro-Mash because you can alternate 90 minutes, maybe 60 minutes, maybe one ounce, maybe two ounces, and in the end, we came out with something that I really liked because I didn't want too much of the Czech sauce in there because I've never worked with it, and it um, kicks your IBUs up so much, and I don't like too hoppy beers. So we played around as, um, until I was satisfied with the result on the computer at least we'll see what the beer is like <laughs> well it's almost a thank goodness that the gravity ended up so high yeah. because the last thing you wanted was an overly hoppy exactly. beer yeah. well had we under hopped this beer would just be a malt bomb, malt bomb. Right, it right, really right. just would have been all malt so now i think you might actually end up with exactly what you're looking for we'll see you know i hope so but everything went fine in the brewing process. I love the all grain system. It's so much more fun. I love to do everything myself. I mashed at 151. I sparged, uh, my sparge temp was 170. The OG pre-boil was 1050. So everything was kind of okay in that brew process. You, how'd you boil it? How did I boil it? Vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> I do everything vigorously. <laughs> well, from a 1050 to a 1063, that, that has to be yeah. a pretty screaming boil. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was a 90 minute. Uh, boil oh, too, okay. so okay. it really went okay. down. But the cool thing was that everything really went well up to that point. Like, uh, like she said, uh, the the mash temp was was I think awesome. Uh, for we can't control it once it goes into the to the cooler. So one fifty one. Yeah. And about an and hour later, there. it's so great this augurin system that we right that Oz bought for us from More Beer. It's just fantastic because those mash tons. They are just great. They oh. really keep the temperature where they're supposed to have the temperature. It's the igloo. It's That's the all. igloo, yeah. It's uh, great. Oz, you made them all excited. <laughs> he yeah. really did. Yeah. So that was cool. That went really well. And then uh, the sparge went really well. That that temperature was just right. We did a really, uh, she did like a real nice slow sparge. Took a, I don't even know how long. Did you write down how long it took us to get out of there? Mm, no, I didn't write that down. I think it was almost an hour and yeah, a half. No, conduct, no, I didn't write that down. But yeah, yeah. it was a long time. 
And then she took the pre-boil gravity dock to see to make sure we didn't screw up the mash. That's right. pretty cool, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and and we figured from there, 1050. Let's go for it. Right. And I pitched at 74. I pitched two vials of yeast on five gallons and one vial for three gallons because I have two carboys. Then That's I think I you did. added a. Then uh, I added another vial. Vial of the next day. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So the long story about her beer, which is an interesting one, is that it's going into this competition that we'd like you all to join. Hopheads.com is all that it entails. Right on our main page, you can click a button for a one dollar off coupon. So we're even trying to help you out in encouraging you to join these competitions, and we're doing it for our for- first time. JP's going to enter the competition, and JP doesn't compete anymore, but he's going to do this one anyway. No, I don't. I got to, uh, I've entered uh, three times, and I got uh, a second place, and Ooh. I figured I'm just going to retire on yeah. the uh, D average. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to retire almost on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, actually, I uh, um, I have some some of the stout that I made uh, a couple months ago, and I just tried it. And it's really good. Ah. And so I'm actually thinking about uh, kind of get back in the game. All right. So there you but go. Probably not though. But he's going to do but this. I, one. I will do. I will do this one, and I might do one other one this hey, year, and that's probably it. It takes postage, man. Yeah. Doc, yeah. you're doing this one. Am I? Yep. <laughs> you're absolutely okay. doing this one. The deadline for entries is the 21st of this month. So you gotta get your entries in there by the 21st. So get it ready. We did give you a heads up a long time ago. So I hope well, you, hope you got a batch going. That means and, I have to uh, make a mailing to this and a bug at the same time. And a bug? Well, yeah, I have Christmas. Oh, the Santa, Santa thing. thing yeah. yeah. But actually, I've already got that ready to go. So. Okay. So you're all set, man. Oh, he's set too. It's all good. All right, so the deadline for this uh, uh, competition, uh, July 21st. The competition actually takes place on July 30th, and we're still working on doing an on-air thing to uh, get the uh, the winners announced That'd be great. Um, while the competition's going on. It depends on what time Exclusive. it's taking place. So uh, please help us out. Help yourselves out by getting yeah. the feedback. Join. If you get the coupon off our main page, it's right at the top of our homepage. It will tell them that you came from the Brewing Network. You could also put in the Brewing Network as your club, and they'll know that way too. But if you want the dollar off, just go ahead and... Take the coupon and and, and go for it. All right? So join everybody into it. And I had a question come through earlier in the week where somebody asked uh, if the competition was going to be a a fairly competitive one because he wanted a competitive one. His local competition only had like three beers per category. Oh, wow. Uh, From what I understand of this competition, it's a pretty big one. This will be bigger. It's the Inland Empire sort of uh, And it's going to be tough tough competition. Uh, It's California. You're going to get a lot of competition, especially in the hoppy stuff. Uh, the hoppy ales, and you're just your even your American pale ales going to yeah, be all a that kind of stuff. Way. Anything that's uh, West Coasty, you're going to get a lot of good competition yeah. with that one. So you, if you're fighting for it, that's yeah. what you're going to get. Yes. So do that for us. Okay, real quick, let's uh, summarize. We went to the Summit Hop Festival. It was the Summit yes. Hop and Washoes Festival, uh, the first annual at Drake's Brewing Company, drinkdrakes.com, to check them out. And they've been on the show before. You guys know who they are, Roger and Melissa Brew over there. And they put on a fundraiser for local schools in their area. It's, it, it, all the proceeds went to a, a local elementary school in San Leandro. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was, it was a bit pricey. We were glad yeah. that it was going to charity. I'll be quite yeah. honest. It was thirty-five bones to get in, which but, is uh, a lot for a beer fest. But yeah, it, but you it got is all the beer charity, you want. There was so, no yeah. beer tokens or anything else, no. and we were pretty stoked that it went to charity. Yeah. And then they did this whole Washu's tournament, which is a uh, uh, this game that's uh, I don't know sweeping the nation. I think <laughs> I'm supposed to say sweeping the nation. Uh, it's like is horseshoes, it? but no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a cool it's game. Sweeping twelve people across the nation. I tried it. I suck at it. Really, there's like a 
four-foot box, uh, and that box has, a, has four holes in it, uh, three. Uh, strategically placed. I think it's four. It's only three. Three, three. three holes. Okay. Yeah. And, the more uh, holes in the box, the better. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Uh, three holes is, is about average. <laughs> one box, one box, one hole. <laughs> and you throw big washers into the right. hole. That's why I say it's like horseshoes closest to the hole. You get points for all you those You notice things. the ones that the, uh, um, that Roger had out all had the, the Drake's Brewing Company logo stenciled on them. Uh, like someone's going to take his eight cent washer. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. So, uh, this, oh, do I still have somebody on the phone waiting yes. for us? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My phone's been waiting for a while. He's just saying, uh, good people are trying to get out through, through the landline. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Wichita. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> Wichita phoned in at the break and I just had him sitting on hold the whole time. I totally forgot. Good thing it's but he's too, free. He, he's two hours ahead. He's probably hammered. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. You, you, you know when you, uh. you first? Uh, am I on the air now? Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> You're on. You're on. All right. When uh, when I first went on hold, I was in that happy land between uh, sober and drunk. Since I was left on hold so damn long. Yeah, you're totally hammered. I, I, I think I've crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We got you at the right time. It's been like 30 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's just it, like he's it, yammering. Anyway, you know, getting back to that uh, hopheads.com competition. Yeah. Um, everybody, enter your damn beers, even if they're not good. I got a couple beers going in that... Yeah, probably high 20s, low 30s. Not beers that I'd enter normally, but uh, uh, one of the categories, um, my wife is actually competing against me. Beautiful. Enough. I like that. What's the category that it's, she's going to be competing it, against the, you? It's the Russian Imperial Stout category. Nice. She's got Uh-oh. one that's a couple years old. Ooh. I've got one about... Four, four and a half years old. Oh, wow. that's great. Um, both have pluses, pluses and minuses, but uh, <laughs> it's a little internal uh, competition there. I hope she beats your ass, Wichita. You know, it, part of me thinks... And then wins the part, competition. Part of me is saying that, too, because <laughs> I, I, I want to get her hooked, too. Yeah. On uh, brewing because she ha- this is her first beer and actually this is her only beer oh, see? so far. Um, well, that'll get her hooked and also you'll get sympathy laid that night. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, I totally beat him. So come on, <laughs> get climate. Number two. Yeah. Dave was cool. Yeah. You guys have had great um, uh, guests the last couple weeks. Or the last couple shows, rather. Yeah. Um, and you. just kudos to that. Cool, also, thank you. Also, I was supposed to be at NHC, but we had some family issues that came up that uh. I had to cancel. But it was cool as hell that you guys were broadcasting live from NHC. So I want to thank you on behalf of all the people who couldn't go yeah, for broadcasting great. live from the NHC. Cheers, I appreciate yeah, that. Awesome. I, you know, I'll tell you what, I've not gotten, I'll be real honest, uh, I've not gotten a lot of feedback about the NHC shows, and we kind of talk around here at the Brewing Network, um, 
the shows that are bad are 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 the shows that nobody says anything about. <laughs> like you, if they say if they if there's a lot of fire in the forum about how how much people didn't like the show or whatever, yeah. it was still a good show because people right. got passionate about it. Uh, or they'll talk about how much they like it. If the show goes on in silence, uh, that's never a good sign for us, and we've not gotten no. a lot of feedback. So I hope that we did an okay job of bringing the NHC home. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. thought it was a good job personally. Okay, I, I don't know. If, I don't know what the hell the other uh, guys uh, thought, but <laughs> I, I thought there it was you go. Great. Get them. Well, I'm not. I'm not asking for feedback either. Yeah. I, I'm actually saying it's a reflection. But what? Uh, really, our entire goal in going out there uh, was to bring it home in a in a in a way that people could value it and use it. So I I, yeah. I really just hope that happens. It, it was to do just what uh, what you said there, which done, and uh, uh, that, that's great. I'm glad that it, it worked out for you. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. All right, very good. Well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I'm happy and, about and that. And lastly, before I, I free the line for all the other uh, listeners who want to call in, uh-huh. call in, guys. They're, they're piling up. Yeah. Yeah, they better damn well be. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, Doc. Hey, we thank you, man. You. Yeah. Thanks. True that. You know what? Oh. That That's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. That and oh, the free yeah. beer. Except he had to bring his own beer I, today. I, I, I brought all the beer this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a brewery in here soon, don't we? So we can <laughs> yeah. replenish. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, keep up the good work. We'll uh, talk to you later. Wichita, thanks very much for the call. I appreciate that, man. I think you Not sent a us a, a. I think you you also sent us a really uh, genuinely nice email that I'm going to pass on to Daniela. And uh, there are, there's a lot of emails I get that I, I don't always read. I don't want people to think that we're tooting our own horns in here. There's occasional emails that we get that actually uh, tear us up around here. And I think uh, Wichita, you just sent us one of those. I'll be giving it to Daniela, and uh, we always appreciate that because it lets us know that uh, it, it's working, and, and that's a good thing. So thanks uh, thanks to you, man, and thanks for calling up. Hey, not a problem, guys. You guys rock. Keep up the good work. I've been there from, the, from day one, and somehow... I don't know. Maybe it's a neurological problem. I, I <laughs> it's got to be a neurological problem, but that's all right with us. You're, you fit right in. Take care and hope to see you at uh, NHC. Thanks, brother. Or, or not NHC. Uh, GABF. Yeah. Uh, GABF. We're hoping so, too, actually. We're, we're really trying. We'll let you know. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Go brother. On, which... All right. What's going on with you guys, the, the dripping cheek not me. boys over here? Not me. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> okay, uh, so we'll just wrap up uh, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I just got out of prison, My and cheek. I'm a dripping cheek boy. Yeah. Uh, so at Drake's Brewing Company, uh, they, uh, here's the deal: is that uh, about 18 breweries mm-hmm. got together and and brewed a beer uh, made with this this new Summit hop, yeah. and so they're all just called Summit. Pale or Summit IPA, and they gave it. We did this on Lunch Meat too, so you guys may have heard the story already. But every brewery uh, had to follow IBU guidelines and malt bill guidelines and things like that. They could put mm-hmm. them in at different places and sort of put their own twist on it, but the recipes were generally the same, and they could use their own house yeast. Mm-hmm. So we tasted a whole bunch of them there. Uh, there was nary a bad version of this beer. No. Uh, all of them were, were really nice. Uh, the winner, and, and they're doing a few of these competitions, like Sean uh, said earlier, our, our Drunk of the Week, uh, that uh, they're doing <laughs> yeah. one at Barclays tomorrow, and they're doing it at Toronado on the 19th. So if you're in our area, you can go. But I'll keep you up to date on this, too, because it, it is a cool thing. I like what they did. Yeah. The winner of yesterday's, the the, uh, the People's Choice Award, mm-hmm. went to Drake's Brewing Company, and That's it was true. held at Drake's Brewing Company. And so... Uh, 
uh, not to say that the beer wasn't great because it was, but uh, come on, a little home court advantage for yeah. the people's choice. Oh, yeah. It happens. The gold medal that was a panel of judges that decided on all the beers was actually Bison Brewing Company yeah. in Berkeley, California. Oh, yeah. Now, you, so, and we were happy about that. So you Pete, guys, Pete brought it home. That's right. Pete brought it home, and 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 we met uh, Dan Del Grande, another one of their guys there from Bison. A cool guy. Hung out with him for quite a while. The cool thing is, uh, you guys remember Bison from being on the show. All organic brewery. Mm-hmm. They, they all of their beers are organic, including this one that they entered into the competition. Yeah. And I say that they're kind of showing too that uh, the organic beers can be. Uh, if not just as good, obviously better than all the regular beers too. He won the gold medal there yesterday at this at this thing with an all organic beer, and uh, that was really a, a cool thing. So, congratulations to Bison Brewing Company. I'm curious to see what's going to happen uh, at Barclays on Monday. I'll keep a, abreast of that. I said abreast. What time is that? <laughs> And then, uh, and then Tornado. What time's that happen? You know, I'm not sure. What, you thinking of going or what? Tomorrow evening, I think. They're gonna do like that a might, 6 p.m. thing. That made tough. I'm not, uh, exactly sure. Uh, would you like your microphone turned back yeah. on, Allergy Boy? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we should call Sullivan. And find See out. See he knows, yeah. <laughs> call the I team. think, I think it's an Okay, call, good. It's okay. at Oracle at Barclays. Yeah. We'll call him about two tomorrow. Oh, Sully's like Doc today. He's, <laughs> he's yeah. taking your role, because Doc, you're doing fine. I'm doing awesome. <laughs> yeah, we need I'm just to... glad to be here. <laughs> We're and glad you... to have you back. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got to get here, I got to build things. Yeah, yeah you I'm did. sweating my ass off. And you got to rebuild things, yeah. too. Yes. Got to hear about my uh, four-year-old underwear. Hey, you know, my shorts are sweaty, too. <laughs> you know, I had four-year-old underwear once, but the judge made me give them back. I'm free-balling it today. I'm wearing these shorts that have the, the netting inside, the, like, swim trunks. That's what I need. I should have worn yeah, mine. Because in the heat... So it's semi-commando. Yeah, it's semi-commando. It allows air to flow through their nether regions. Yeah. And in this sort of heat, you need that, guys. I'm telling you. Do, you. Yeah. Plus, it gives you... Uh, you ever notice that the hotter it gets, the more support you need? Boxers are rough when you need more support. Well, because they hang low. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, these support your hang low and yeah. uh, and bring you right back up into into uh, into your oh, own territory. See, Daniela, see how hard it is to be a guy instead of four. Or even your or even it's your really one, hard. Your one hung low. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, come on, Daniela, you you don't have to worry about hang lows no. and uh, different things. Well, like at least this. not now. <laughs> <laughs> the time will come. Yeah. Good night and good luck. <laughs> All right, uh, join us next week where I have absolutely no idea what's happening, but uh, you can be sure it'll be a That's good That's true. <laughs> right, guys? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yay. Uh, another good show coming up to you next week. I'll get you up to date as soon as possible. It's a tough time booking this summer because, uh, especially right around now, there's a lot of festivals going on. Yeah, a lot of travel, right? A lot of people doing different things. Yeah. So uh, what we're working on, a little insight, is actually getting booked for the remainder of the year. And so as soon as I can really make that happen, we're going to post it all up. I'm working with a couple of new people. This is some real insider stuff that I'll, I'll, I'll let you know as it unfolds. But I'm working with a couple of new people about our, our weekly tastings. I know we haven't done tastings in a while, and part of it is that we really need uh, to get it planned and and, and get the, the beers that everybody can try. And yeah. then on top of that, I want some, some real uh, like BJCP uh, people in here who can help us taste these That's things. That's going to be great. So I uh, while we were at NHC, we did a lot of talking with different people and uh, got some people on board that were real excited about this thing. I'll tell you, uh, Kevin Pratt's excited about it. I'll, I'll he throw really that is, name yeah. out right now. He's going to help us out. We might even
even coincide with a flavor of the week and kind of make a sound bite that you can tune into the Brewing Network and, and, and catch that um, and, and then go into our beer tasting during the show. So a lot of, a lot of plans are going to be unfolded for you guys in the very, very near future, and it will all be on our events page. We'll line up our tastings. We'll get back on track with that uh, and with some real professional tasters to come in here and help us all with our palates. So basically what you're saying, now that Doc's back, we can Shit's go to coming work. down. Yeah, that's right. We're going back to work. So uh, that's the deal. Uh, stay tuned to us, and, and we're going to keep doing our best uh, to make it all happen for you. Groovy. Daniela, you ready to uh, get on out of here? I am so ready. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Thanks to Dave Logston of Y Yeast yes. Company. Go to yeastlab.com. And, uh, Dave at yeastlab.com. Rather, he said you can uh, feel free to send him your emails and questions, and we would appreciate that as, as well as he would. Definitely. JP, thanks for hanging out and sweating it out with us. Hey, uh, thank you for inviting me to your place to do the thing that I did. <laughs> sweating it with the oldies. Yeah. And to shake my gut and have you. I, I was just in a zone. I was <laughs> do in a zone. Do you do that often? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I was hypnotized like by the gut. You hypnotize yourself with yeah, your own gut. I do. And then uh, uh, I didn't know that you guys were actually watching me. I couldn't help. I'm standing here. I'm trying to get to a thing, and I'm looking at you. It's You're a vibe, ob- man. Oblivious to everything going around you. It was disgusting. Yeah. It was a vibe. <laughs> hey, some of us have it, and some of us don't. If you got it, you got to shake it, baby. It's all about the harmonics. And then throw up all over yourself. All right, Doc. Welcome back, brother. It's hey, man. It's been good. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Oh, yeah. You're going to be hammered next week. I'm kind of hammered now. Yeah. <laughs> but you're coming back from a tasting even before you do the show, Oh, right? next week I'm tasting with Vinny <laughs> in Napa, and, yeah. I, and then I'll make it on down here. So I'm going to be lit when I get here. Nice. You're driving that giant boat down the highway. Well, I'm, I'm going to take it easy, but... Yeah. You know what? Get yourself a driver. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. It's, it's, no, 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 no. Be taking it easy unless one of you wants to go with me. I'll go with you, but I won't drive. Because <laughs> you want to drink. Yeah. Tasting with Vinny, what am I going to do? Sit there with my thumb in my butt and drink water? Or drinking your gut. Drinking my gut. <laughs> Vinny would like that. I would. <laughs> JP, did you see the picture of yourself in the forum? I did. Jamil, was that Jamil or was that crotch? No, that one's crotch. And, and I like ones. how he put the quote, like I actually said something. I like that yeah. too, yeah. Ass. Uh, he just wants you to know that he really likes your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, he cut him that short. He should. Check out the Brewing Network. We're getting lots of new members coming in there and having fun. So go meet, member. go meet some new people. Meet. And meet. Uh, <laughs> have some fun with meat. Meat. All right. Thanks, everybody. Doc, good to have you, uh, yeah. you, you drunken bastard. I know. We miss you. You know, you're, you're, I'm your guest for the next three, four hours. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I'm here. We're going out back right. and we're drinking. Daniela, thank you for True. your time today. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.
by popular demand, we're back for a short <laughs> segment. Uh, Dr. Scott's brother, for the very first time, has joined us in the chat room today and wanted to talk to us about their machine gun experience uh, in 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 Vegas this, well, it, this past weekend. I, I saw it in the magazine. I said, we have to do that. <laughs> Doctor, you had to be the one who figured it out. Yeah. Look at you could shoot stuff with automatic weapons. It'd be great. Oh, man. So uh, I think he's going to call us up right now. If he doesn't know, does he have the number, Daniela? I gave it to him already. Yes. He's a, he's a Dr. Scott uh, sibling. He's, he knows kind of a lot of stuff. Yeah, he had it, to figure out the phone number, right? He knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to need another beer if we're going to do this, Doc. All you right. got anything else in the cooler there? Oh, oh and I do. <laughs> So, I will take some. I figure I what better way than to come back and do a surprise segment and find out about automatic weapon shooting <laughs> in Nevada. And <laughs> Scott's brother. <laughs> and uh, so as soon as he calls in, we'll get to that. Uh, in the meantime... Um, how about a Hellas? <laughs> oh, there he is. Phone's ringing. Okay. You know what? He's probably... Be- What's your per- brother's name? Tim. Hey, Tim. Oh. What's that? Hello? Hey, Tim. Hey. How are you, brother? Pretty good. What's up? Man, do you have a bad connection. I know. I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give... Do you know how to private message in that chat room there? No. (laughs) (laughs) She'll send you one. Dr. Scott should have your number. uh, Does Dr. Scott have your number that you're at right now? We can call you back. Unless he's too drunk to find it. No, I can find it. All right. All right. right, uh, So let me call you right back. We'll get a cleaner connection. Call my cell phone. All right, brother. All right, later. Okay. We're gonna do that because that's gonna. I, I don't want that connection. That's what did you want to do in the meantime? Uh, nothing. I wanted to get myself a beer. Just and, silence. Uh, Let's just sit in silence. Uh, Doc, you're gonna have to <laughs> get me that phone number without announcing it to the world somehow. There it is. Uh, oh, it's on my okay, cell. It's right there. It would be great if uh, Scott's brother Tim got inundated with calls in the next week from. Which one? Is I love you, brother. The one that's Yo, dude. Here? Oh, this is the brother's well travel. He's been most of the places in the world, oh, and uh, he's been around. And I, he's been the Coors Light drinker that I could just barely get him to, you know, stretch beyond that. I got it. We went to the uh, Southern California Homebrewers Fest. I said, "Well, you got to try. Don't try everything. You got to try one thing." And he got hooked into the hefts. And by the end of the day, or middle part of the day, he was comparing hefts. He wasn't even just drinking them. He was comparing them. He was nice. into them at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. And and now he's into Lambics and uh, Hefts mostly. So I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's into them right now. Tim. What's up? All hey, right. good. Now that's better. That's a little cleaner. How are you, brother? Pretty good. How are you doing? We're doing all right. Uh, Doc was just telling us about your affinity for shitty beer. and uh, Beforehand. You, before you've discovered the Hefeweizen. He's changed me. I'm a changed man. Yeah. beer and... Assigned me, gave me an assignment, and I followed it, and I got changed. <laughs> That's what I, Doc's good at giving yeah. assignments. Yeah. Actually. You do this, and you do this. Okay, I'm changed. Good. Yeah, you did good. It wasn't that oh, easy. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So well, he, he got to figure. He's he's pretty stubborn. If you haven't figured that one out yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> he is what? Yeah. Doc hard-headed. I Which are you, the younger or the older brother, Tim? I'm younger. How many years? And, and that, that was proven in Vegas when we asked some guy at the at some. No, no, it was it was the toothless lady cab driver. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was the guy at the Irish pub. It did did I, Doc? I thought it was the toothless lady cab driver that made you take off your glasses to make sure. And she was taking us yeah. to the automatic weapons range. <laughs> <laughs> the toothless cab driver driving you to the automatic weapons range. 
Oh, we said we want to go to this address, and she goes, I don't know where that is. We want to go to the gun store. She goes, oh, I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. That's where I lost my teeth. <laughs> yeah. no, I see what she said was, she goes, you wouldn't want to look in my mouth. I haven't been to a dentist in 14 years. Oh. And I said, no, I wouldn't. And then Tim says, look, he's on vacation. Leave him alone. All right. And that, I mean, that pretty much disgusted me. I don't know how Scott feels about that. He looks right because this is more money. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tim, I got a caller on the other line who says that he's the real Dr. Scott's brother. So I'm going to put him on. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're a fake. No. Let's find out here. Uh, uh, hello, uh, the real Dr. Scott's brother. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Hey, what's happening? So which? how do I know which one's the real brother? Uh you can have me draw a pants and we'll move right from there. All right. Do, uh, describe Dr. Scott's uh, Hey Nanu Nanu. Eat both of you, and we'll see who's more accurate. <laughs> Hopefully he wins because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yes, you do, Tim. <laughs> oh, all right. Let me draw my pants. I'm sure mine looks the same. <laughs> All right, uh, the caller that's on the on the telephone, uh, not the first, uh, not the two. first doctor. Tim two. We have Tim one and Tim two. Tim two. Uh, did you go shooting automatic weapons with Doctor Scott this weekend as well? Are you talking about uh, fully automatic uh, heroin injections, or what are you talking about? All right. Your connection is real bad too. <laughs> it was a good effort, but it just it sounds real bad. All right, we're going to stick with Tim One for now, unless you've got any uh, revealing evidence about Dr. Scott that's going to let us know you're the real brother. Uh, no, we have a 10-second delay, so we can just bleep all that out. Yeah, He's a Martian. He's a Martian. He's not real. There's pods in the, in the basement. <laughs> all right. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Sorry. It just sounds bad. I can't do it. All right, uh, Tim One, the, uh, the, the apparently real uh, the Dr. Scott's brother. Uh, uh, is, is this a normal thing for Dr. Stott to go, uh, hey, look, we can go shoot automatic weapons. Come on, Tim. Like, is that... We were, like, we were looking for something to do, and I picked the uh, atomic... Or what was it? The, uh, the atomic uh, weapons uh, testing museum. Yeah, and and so he's, and then he picked something out of the, you know, the book they leave in your hotel room and said, let's go shoot automatic weapons. <laughs> and I, I, I did talk to friends who had done it before, and I knew it was expensive, so it wasn't my first choice. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Uh, we were out there in Vegas a couple of years ago for the NHC. I'm sorry. I didn't know about that. Yeah. What did you guys go shoot, Tim? Like, what's the what's the target? I shot Osama bin Laden. I don't know what. Would you shoot just, uh, just, just your average terrorist? They oh. just they just have a bunch of dudes in turbans that you guys can yeah, shoot. You know, well, you, you have a, a lot of paper targets. Yeah. And all of them seem to be like of Middle Eastern <laughs> descent. <laughs> <laughs> they just seem to be that way. What a trailer trash place to go. That's so oh, funny. Yep. And <laughs> the only thing I regret is I didn't get to fire the squad automatic weapon. Uh, why? No, what you know what? I did, I, I did some research, and that wasn't that. Because squad automatic weapons are 9 millimeters. No, no, sorry, they're 223s. That thing was an M60. There was, a, there was an M60. I wanted to fire an M60. And that, oh. this chick was firing it next to us when we walked in. And it was like, <laughs> and we could, it just knocked us back <laughs> with, with, with that much impact. That was ma- nasty. Wow. And uh, <laughs> just I can't get over the whole thing. So what did you shoot if you didn't shoot uh, the M60? We, we shot an M16, 223, yeah. and then uh, I really wanted to fire an uh, MP5. <laughs> HK baby. Did yeah. you guys walk out of there just all smiles? Oh yeah. And this and this the thing is, I'm wondering I'm wondering if we're going to get a cab back cuz it's pretty much off the strip. Yeah. And there's there 
cabs are coming in there all the time. <laughs> yeah. And this, this chick gets out there with this big, long drink glass, you know, the kind that foo-foo drink ones that look like a yard of ale. Oh, yeah. And she's got, like, a margarita, and she goes... Can you drink while you're shooting? <laughs> and I go, the answer was yes, probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, why not? Can I have your cab? Yeah. I can hear Tim. Give me either a Coors Light or a half a rice. <laughs> what do you got? But we, we found some. We, we hit every brew pub we could find. And, uh. Yeah, we started off the, the day at the Hofbrau house. Oh, uh, yeah, beautiful. Night. Oh, there was some Germans standing on the table, Daniela. It was great. Were there hot ger- were there hot Germans there, Tim? Is there such a thing? <laughs> oh, coming oh, at you! So we know now that Tim is not Doctor Scott's brother because Doctor Scott hits on me constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have disqualified yourself. We're going back to Tim. Too. <laughs> he, he's never met. He's never met Daniela. There was no women there. Yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's, he's just, he, I'm out of here. He's just no. He, actually, he's right. There was really no women there. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's never met Daniela, so how nah, could he know? He's he had nothing to compare it to. You could tell Scott is the. Uh, I have, have, have to hear some deer antlers like the guys up on the table had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So you went from Hofbrau House to what? Did you guys hit the Gordon Beer shot there? Oh, that's Reno. No, no there's one Gordon Beer shot there. Did you yeah. hit the Gordon Beer? No. No. no we we, we hit a couple other places. There's some, some brew brew pubs in some casinos like that we the hit. Lucky Seven or whatever? Yeah. Rossi brewed there recently. Yeah. Yeah. Rossi. I, made, Did you see I made Scott walk more than a mile to the next brew place at the Monte Carlo. Oh, that's not nice. It's not that far. It's not that far. And it's 105 outside at yeah. 9 at yeah. night. And I'm like, what's well, a good thing you went to Vegas in uh-huh. June? Yeah. Well, but the worst thing about it is that you, it's not so much the distance and the heat. It's that the distance and the heat makes you lose your buzz from the first place by the time you get to the, the next th- one. The cool thing that JP pointed out was you can walk around with your beer. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't believe Tim when Tim said, no, you can walk around with your beer. And I go, it just doesn't feel right. Oh, you, yeah. Oh, you oh it know. feels right. Oh, man, does it feel right. Yeah. I love it more than anything being able to just so walk around I... with a beer. Well, it took me about a half a block. To get into it, and that was good. Yeah, which is um, more than I would expect. Yeah, the second time I, I made him walk that far, we found a good brewery, uh, Sin City Brewing, and they had, they had actually a real good Hefeweizen, a lot of clove to it. Ah, nice. That's yeah. how you like uh, it. Huh? Yeah. yeah, he liked yeah. It. he liked that one quite a bit. So, uh, do we do we, we walk back to that one, and have another one, and then walk back yeah, out? We had, we had one. We had one to go there, and then we walked to. Uh, New York, uh, New York, New York, and then gambled for a while. And actually, and I, I, I won lots of money there, so it was good. Who won more? Which brother is better at cards? Yeah, uh, Tim likes uh, craps now. So, oh, and I, I play blackjack just as much. So I don't know. He didn't like my table, and he left. So, yeah. Well, because I kept losing. Yeah, that's a good reason. I was I was winning, so I was better wasn't going to get up. Which one's taller? Him. Oh, big time. You can, you can tell Scott's older because Scott answers everything. See, that's why Doc's got a uh, short man complex, because his own younger brother was yeah. taller than him. Tim, do you do you drive my, a... My uh, older brother's taller than me, too. Tim, uh-huh. do you drive a, a, a Prius or a Mini while Scott, <laughs> being the shorter, drives the, the biggest car in the world? Uh, Tim has two cars. What's your little car? I, I, I was a, asking Tim, I Scott. Ford, I got a Ford Focus, and then I got an F-250 that's about eight feet tall. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Still though, the Focus uh, is pretty good. Yeah, you can't. I would love to see Doctor Scott in a Ford Focus. Uh, <laughs> he would actually fit. 
I think I think my truck's bigger than his than his uh, Hummer though. Ah. His is bigger than yours is, Doc. <laughs> oh, you know what? It, it could be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did uh, did Doc used to beat your ass when you guys were kids? No, no. Actually, oh, I won't tell you. <laughs> you will. Yeah, you will. Come on, you got to tell yeah. us. No, no, Scott, Scott, Scott taught my friends all the bad things in life. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I ruined a lot of young lives. How many years difference? Uh, I was born Three in Three and a half, four years. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. so in other words, when you were like 17 and ready to do, you know, everything, you were handing it down to the kids? No, no. When, when I was in college, the chemist. Ah, okay. I was handed down to the kids. <laughs> you know, for the kids. Yeah. For the kids. <laughs> But but also when he was older, I got his ID, so it yeah. worked out pretty good. Beautiful. I still remember the first time I took him out to a club. <laughs> He's like sixteen, seventeen, and oh, Dan, yeah. Dan, this is just like a big fucking party. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to pay to get in. I paid for him to get in. Well, the interesting oh, thing is that here, some uh, twenty or so years later, Doc's still corrupting people's minds. It's yeah. the same difference. <laughs> now he has two young minds of his own. Yeah, he does have a gift for that. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, it's uh, nice to meet you over the airwaves. Yeah, and uh, we're in, you know, next time you're up here hanging with Doc, you're going to have to do it on a Sunday and just come do a show with us. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm off. I'm off after I listen to the show, and I'm off to work on the chariot. Ah, uh, for for Burning Man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Doc showed me, uh, listeners at home. Yeah, you just got to know this kind of stuff about Doc. He pulls out the schematic yeah. for the. First of all, they have a schematic <laughs> for this chariot that they have at Burning Man. Not only that, the schematic is like it's like a nuclear facility. <laughs> like, there's so many things going on in this whole thing. Uh, he's got yeah, like over, a. Over, he's uh, got underwired. A hundred watt, yeah, you got like a steel box to protect all the wa- oh, all yeah. of the brains uh, and. Oh, you have to. <laughs> it's a whole thing with I, these I, guys. I soldered for two weeks straight. There's just way too much going on there. This is a big oh, effort. This is a big effort on, on both of us, but we're hoping it's going to be. Tim, where do you live? Top. Hmm? Where where are you where are you at, Tim? What's that? Oh, uh, Lake Elsinore. Okay. Oh, I lived there at one time. You did? Yeah, I used to live in Lake Elsinore when I was a kid. I bet you lived at the South End, didn't you? Yeah, well, it wasn't the nice part, was <laughs> it? Southie? <laughs> Southie? <laughs> the Southie. My only memories of it are getting bit by giant red ants. They were everywhere. <laughs> that's a good memory, dude. That's all I remember about Don't lay in the dirt. Yeah, well, I've always <laughs> been that's kind good of advice. A, always been kind of a lay in the dirt kind of kid, you know? <laughs> what can they do? <laughs> all right, we're going to get out of here. Tim, thanks yeah. very much. I appreciate the call, brother. All right, take it easy. See thanks, you, Tim. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> all right, bye. Dr. Scott's yes. sibling. That was a nice little treat. I'll tell you what. You Coming know what I, in after the old ending there. You know what I wish for? That uh, our show lasts long enough that one day we can have Dr. Scott's siblings. At, when they're 21 yeah. on the show, Doc will be all... He'll still be as fun as hell, you could be sure, well, but my, he'll be my, a little older. My children? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so, I'm sorry, offspring. your offspring. offspring yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or your offspring on the show, and, and we can talk to them about how Doc's corrupted their life yeah. as well. Well, at least at least uh, 14, I think they'd be they'd be good enough to well, be ready. Like Actually, that, yeah. I was just talking about that to my brothers. Like, what age can I ta- start taking them to Europe? So they can, you know, not be Americanized here. Right. And be Americanized at 14, 16, they can start popping a few beers with me yeah. over there kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. Tick, tick, the tour. 
I like that. Doc's like planning that. What is the earliest age I can take my kids to Europe and get them hammered? <laughs> That'd be about <laughs> 10 years from now. Yeah. Great. Okay, All right. Let's, let's set the date right now. <laughs> let's figure out what that I is. I got right? a calendar. <laughs> we, can do, we can do a show from there. That'd be a great idea. This is Doc and his 14-year-olds getting hammered, touching boobs. <laughs> Over here in Germany. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> so many things that I want to say and the words they're not coming out right don't cry little darling come and take my hand I want to show you something special tonight I want to share my feelings I want to show my love I want to give you a dirty Sanchez. I want to throw you a donkey punch. I want you to give me a Cleveland steamer. Would you like a jelly donut and a hot lunch? Have you ever had an angry dragon? A blumpkin, have you ever known? I want my dog in your bathtub. And you can play my rusty trombone. Well, a stranger with a western grip can take a golden shower.